0: Attention, Talking Simpsons listeners! We have a new podcast mini series exclusively on Patreon right now. For five
1: dollar and up subscribers at Patreon.com/slash Talking Simpsons, you get Talking
0: of the Hill Season Two, Part One. That's right. We're returning to King of the Hill once again, putting out eleven new episodes covering the first half of the show's second season. Again, that is Patreon.com/slash Talking Simpsons. Be there or be not right.
2: I heartily endorse this event or product.
0: Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the friendliest place in the rum district. I'm your host, the nitwit nectar drinker Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. Why, it's Henry Gilbert, and we're just exhibiting these clips
1: for profit without permission.
0: It's true, and who do we have on the line?
1: Uh, it's
3: nuclear whipping boy Nick Proor.
0: <laughs> and today's episode is worst episode ever.
4: My mom doesn't believe in fabric software. But she's not around. <laughs> I'm picking the next thing.
0: Today's episode aired on February 4th, 2001. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> Oh boy, Bobby,
1: we've got some history that we've covered a little bit before in another Futurama, so don't be surprised that I've said these things before. But Kelly Ripa takes over for Kathy Lee on the Live with Regis morning show. Paper Mario is released for the Nintendo 64, and The Wedding Planner is number one at the box office. At the same time, the album J-Lo is number one on the charts, Mm. a first ever for a performer. And uh, and I I know Nick, you are in the uh, you you know the New York entertainment uh, talk show scene somewhat. Like, have, what have you ever had any interactions with Kelly Ripa?
3: I have, yeah, because I was working at the Letterman show actually this week when the episode aired, and um, I would produce the, the the guest segment. So she was a guest many times, as was Regis. And I remember when she was first coming on the show, I, I tried to find old embarrassing footage of. <laughs> celebrities and i found she was a regular on a pennsylvania regional dance show called dance party usa <laughs> and uh, at one point does a, a routine to abracadabra like a lip sick routine where she's dressed as a magician and uh it, it was solid gold not the oh. show solid gold but it was really good
1: <laughs> oh that is amazing well okay i had a separate piece of news i set aside in case you confirmed that you were working in letterman at the time because another bit of news i saw during this week was there was uh, some minor controversy at the letterman show where apparently there was an anti-cbs this was reported by the entertainment weekly in february 2001 that there was an anti-cbs top 10 list that then let that was filmed but was scrapped And then they played, uh, they instead did a J-Lo focused top 10 list because she was the guest on that episode. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't really
3: remember that, but occasionally that would happen where you would do a a top 10 and then (laughs) you'd you'd shoot a backup one. And I think that if I remember correctly, because I remember J-Lo was on that week and I think Anthony Hopkins and it was a busy week so much so that I, I didn't watch this Simpsons episode live um, on that Sunday. I think I was wor- working to prep for that. But yeah, I think um, after the audience had let out, you know, word came down from the network and then you know, you kind of had to go back and cheat it as if it was a live top 10. So that happened occasionally.
0: Wow. And you man. know what? J-Lo hotter than ever, Ben Affleck, he is the most divorced dad on the planet. <laughs> he is sliding into the DMs of everyone who is 20 uh, and younger. Look out for him. He's <laughs> dangerous.
1: He's like triply divorced now. Yeah. That,
0: that might much divorced energy. He's the Kirk Van Houten of the entertainment world.
3: It's so great. The Dunkin' Donuts, uh, you know, coming outside of his his house with the... I mean, I'm loving
1: all the the viral photos of him now.
0: I mean, throwing out a cardboard cutout of his ex-girlfriend or wife, whoever that was. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah, the girl... I think it was the girlfriend. Girlfriend, yeah. yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, Kelly Ripa rules television to this day. She is like the... I think her show is still the number one morning show. As far as that goes, you know, TV TV ratings aren't what they used to be. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, she's very likable. I think that was key. And I know they, they auditioned to quite a few people when um, Kathy Lee left, and she was the, the clear frontrunner. And now she's been probably on the show as long as Reed. It just
1: has yeah i think so it uh, like she fully took over the show like that you know it was the last time i saw her in the news was when michael strahan left the show and she felt she was not uh treated respectfully by the producers to let her know he was leaving and uh and now he got replaced by R- ryan seacrest mm. that's who it, I, I believe that's still who's hosting it together to this day
3: what are, what are your thoughts on ryan
1: seacrest kind of seems like dead weight to me but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i feel like it's just a, a dude to just fill his seats like yeah uh, there's I
0: mean, I feel like he shouldn't be as wealthy as he is because a lot of inter- a lot of uh I guess uh personalities could fill that role. I don't see what's so special about yeah. him. Yeah.
3: He, he's a hard worker. I mean, he's like doing like five shows now and flying, you know, to New York to shoot the the morning show and then back to LA and so I'll give him that, but I, yeah. it just doesn't seem like much of a personality to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he understands he's a joke and I I respect that because he's not like, no, actually I can act and I can write a book and look at look at all the creative stuff I'm doing. He <laughs> (laughs) He is none of that. He realizes he is an empty shell, and that is what he's paid to be.
1: You know, one thing I missed with Kathy Lee was when she was on the show, when they would have on pro wrestlers, because, like, Regis, for real, was a pro wrestling fan. Like, he had lots of friends in that world. He'd bring on people from the then WWF. And the funniest ones to me were when Kathy Lee, maybe she was playing it up, but, like, her tongue would, like, fall out of her mouth sometimes. She was like, so she's like, oh, you're looking pretty good, ravishing Rick Rude. Like, she... (laughs) Uh, those were those were funny moments. That was,
3: yeah, that was, I think, part of her. I don't know if it was her real personality or a character, but she. But horniness has always been a part of that.
1: Yes, yeah. And, and I guess finally, yeah, the Paper Mario, the, the final uh, Mario game to come out on the Nintendo 64, mm-hmm. and a, a pretty good role-playing game. Yes. I, I like it quite a lot.
0: We won't belabor this. Not everyone in the audience is a gamer, but the first two are great. Stop buying these games. They're not good. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna play one for three hours, and be like, "This one's great," and then you'll immediately stop playing because the battle system will not be good. Uh, Cannot sustain an entire game. That's all I'll say.
1: You know, with Origami King, I played for ten hours and then and then <laughs> I stopped. So it's it did a little better, average wise I
0: saw another friend make the mistake of starting it, and being like, "This is great," and I'm gonna check back in with her later to see how much progress she's made. I, I would bet she fell off. <laughs> yeah.
3: I was going to ask if you'd played the Origami because I'd heard some good reviews, but again, they probably only played five to ten hours of it, so.
1: But it's a good five to 10 hours. And if you're like, you know what? I paid 50 bucks. I got 10 good hours out of sure. this thing. It, it's, it's fine. It's good. And it, I mean, if you're, you don't have as many gaming options right now of uh, mostly the games coming out are, are re-releases <laughs> in 2021. But, uh, but welcome our big guest. Welcome back, Nick Pruer. And uh, this is an exciting episode for you uh, indeed.
3: Yeah, I couldn't believe it that I hadn't seen this episode because when you explain the plot that Barton Milhouse find a secret stash of bootlegs like videos in comic book guys basement that is exactly my story it was uh <laughs> i mean it's it it, it really hits so close to home my partner joe and i you know do this show called the found footage festival and uh it really it started almost exactly like it happens here
1: that's i was very curious about that because i i know the story of uh you know vcr party live and the uh, the the plot of that of that theme song but uh, <laughs> but yeah how much the reality is of like you guys have at found footage fest a collection uh, i'd say more vhs tapes than comic book guy has in his secret stash
3: we recently counted them and we had um 10,778 wow not including doubles. Not So we have about a 1,000 doubles as well uh, <laughs> that Lord. we're going to do something with. <laughs> but, yeah, we and these are just the ones we've deemed worthy of keeping, of course, the ones that are, you know, just kind of boring we back to the thrift store. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was very much like this. So Joe and I um, have been friends since sixth grade. We were, you know, 10 years old, I think, when we met each other. So around Barton Milhouse's age. Wow. And instead of finding these in a, in a comic book store, we started in our small town in Wisconsin going to thrift stores and uh, we'd find all these, you know, Mr. T educational videos, uh, workplace training videos, um, you know, the hair club for men video you got for free for more information, you know. And because there's nothing going on, we would have screening parties in our parents' basements. Now, we didn't charge admission like <laughs> Uh, Bart Millhouse too, but it was just like, that was our main pastime. We had a running commentary of jokes. When there was a new find, it was a big event and uh, we would try to track down the people in it. So it just kind of became, and then that kept going through college and 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 then post-college and eventually we just took it out of living rooms and basements and and put it into a theater so but that it really it was a very similar journey here
0: i was never that cool all the found footage that i encountered was because people like you found it and then uploaded it to the internet
1: yep until the age of youtube i i you'd only hear about these things or you'd see like sketches like mr show has a sketch basically about you guys with the the underground uh video railroad like there's uh, you'd, so you'd hear about these things and only once YouTube really started, I was like, Oh, now I can finally see dumbass gets hit by train <laughs> as as Mr. Show called it.
3: Yeah, there was this especially like in the late nineties, there was a, a tape trading circuit that we became more tapped into where you would, you know, you'd meet other weirdos who had footage and that you would sometimes get like a tenth generation dub of this news blooper. And it was the colors were washed out and the tracking was bad. You could barely hear it, but it was like rare footage. So it was like something that was prized. And then maybe you'd put that on a compilation of stuff you'd found and and pass that around. And I think a lot of bands, too, they ended up on tour buses. And, you know, there's like heavy metal parking lot made its way on Nirvana's tour bus. And in the comedy scene, too. Yeah, it was uh, the Mr. Show guys. David Cross is a big collector. We've traded tapes with him. Hmm. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and John C. Riley would have, um, you know, like festivals of footage like this, and uh, would try to outdo each other. And um, I remember doing a show with Janine Garofalo, like a, just one of these local New York comedy shows. We were talking about David Cross's, you know, tape traded stuff. And she goes, "Oh yeah, David would, you know, make me. She he made me a dub of a uh, a video dating." tape which we've shown in our, in our show of you know guys from 1987 pitching themselves for for video dates and uh but at the end he without telling her he put the R bud dwyer committing suicide oh on live God. tv oh, Jesus. <laughs> and she's like oh. i did not consent to that but that was like the big shocker <laughs> at Jeez. the end of that <laughs> so you know we didn't get into that kind of found footage as much but you know it, it was sort of a mixed bag
0: yeah, apparently uh, Harry Shearer is into this as well, because uh, he was way into collecting satellite feeds of news broadcasts in which you would actually see what happens before they go live. So I think he actually contributed a lot to a documentary about that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and from The Simpsons, um, we recently, well, I guess pre-pandemic, got to h- hang out with John Vitti, who was a fan of our show, and reached out, or his his wife, who's George Meyer's sister, reached out to us and said, hey, John's shy, but... Can we hang out with you guys when you're in Edinburgh, <laughs> Scotland? So we hung out with John Vitti. We talked all about found footage. And I believe Ian Macstone Graham, too, knew about our show and was was sort of in, tapped into this world of found found footage.
1: Man, that's that Well, I mean, and that's how you very nicely uh, pointed John Vitti all, in our direction. And that's that's how we we interviewed him. So but thank you again for yeah. that, Nick. Yeah. yeah, it's just
3: so weird. You know, you do these, like, little hobbies that you – You do in your basement, or your, you know, or to entertain yourself, you know. When I'm sure, when you started talking Simpsons, you had no idea what it would become. And then, to be actually talking to these guys is pretty incredible. Uh,
1: And I wish, you know, it's one of those things that you don't. uh, The things get famous. That's how viral things happen. But I I wish there was a way to go like, well, the reason you all shared, you've probably your office shared. Oh man, have you seen the Winnebago Man video Hmm. or similar ones? Like your logo can't be on it but that's the reason people share those things because you guys found it and there's there's much more than just you know Winnebago Man's the most famous one I'd say because it even had a whole documentary you guys uh participated in but there's there's so many things that wouldn't be shared around board offices uh without you guys uh, having discovered it
3: yeah I think like uh it, it has to come from somewhere and we are just the type of you know I guess ne'er do wells who like hanging around in thrift stores and and uh, you know getting our hands dirty and watching just tons and tons of tapes, sometimes unlabeled and sort of separating the wheat from the chaff. And, you know, if, if we bring any value beyond that, I think it's to, to to curate it. You know, like I said, it's usually a mixed bag. And a lot of those mixtapes that were around in the 90s and 2000s were pretty some really terrible things you wish you didn't see. <laughs> and yes. So yeah. Yeah. I think if nothing else, we provide that service of like, OK, <laughs> here's the funny stuff. Here's the good stuff. Here's our take on it.
1: There, there's a fine line between picking noses and death on yeah. screen. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think people, like a lot of people sharing these, almost got off on the fact that they would (laughs) shock people. Oh, no. See David Cross
1: yes no i mean i had friends who sent me some awful videos i was Mm -hmm. like no i don't want to see that i'm sorry i i guess i don't have the stomach that you have or i'm a wuss or whatever but i don't want to see that no no thank you
3: i think it makes a big difference too in how you present it because like I mean, in most cases we've found this stuff our all this material ourselves and we have a genuine affection for it so it's not a, a sort of a sneering cynical presentation I mean clearly we're having some laughs at the at this but it's it's uh it comes from a place of like hey we've all got VHS skeletons in our closets yeah. and uh <laughs>
0: what what why can't we laugh at this I I think part of appreciating found footage is the sincerity behind it just like the sincerity behind a bad movie there there's some kind of uh, good intent there that went horribly wrong usually yeah.
3: yeah the best kind of found footage I think has a genuine pathos and like mm. here are, are people really trying trying they're not trying to be funny they're not doing something ironic they're trying and usually without the resources that a professional production has uh
1: the the passion that one man had for his penis pump in that video Uh we saw (laughs) like uh it's a story about like it's about people really that's what i i (laughs) like to
3: yeah, exactly. I think like we always try to do like little mini documentaries about the people we track down from the videos. It's like every piece of fun footage is, is a human interest story. And and yeah, sometimes the mystery is more intriguing than the, than the reality, but we've met tons of like fascinating characters. Actually, before I talk to you guys, I was talking to a guy named Martin Carlton, who is, uh, we played this video at, at our last touring show. It's called the Martin Carlton Stunt Special from 1988. He climbs up a really tall tree, dressed in like three sweatshirts and a bunch of sweatpants like probably three stories high and just tries to jump from that tree to another tree and fails colossally just <laughs> this is like way before jackass or anything he's trying to do this and uh you see the whole thing it's mostly the aftermath and brother having to get him water so he doesn't pass out and i just tracked him down today talked to him on the phone and um we're, we're making plans to do the second annual martin carlton stunt special 33 years later but it'll be this we're calling it the second annual <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yes, yeah, so we're going to go interview him. And this is another wow. tape that Bobcat Goldthwaite found, and he spread it around to, to his Hollywood friends. Pen Gillette is a fan of it, and uh, it's just made made its way. Uh, Brian Posehn knew about it and has been in touch with this guy too. So, oh. just crazy stories and. And it turns out we just found out, this is a Talking Simpsons exclusive. Ooh. <laughs> we oh just found out that, that Martin Carlton, what he did after that was he he moved to Hollywood, tried to make it as a, a stuntman and actor, and he ended up as the high fall guy in the Universal uh, Wild West stunt show for about seven years Wow! in uh, California.
1: That's amazing. So
3: he somehow... Transitioned from making this homemade yeah. tape in his backyard, and uh, he put—he said he put that on his <laughs> resume when he applied for the job that
0: was that's, his audition reel
1: oh that's amazing exactly yeah Man, i i'm seeing now just what a amazing like just web of tape trading there is that's just so beautiful in a way like and i bet in your travels you've met uh, a number of comic book guys who who have these collections as well
3: absolutely did any of the comic book stores you guys grew up at have sell bootleg? VHS or DVDs? Do you usually have cartoons or comic at, book shows?
1: At one particularly dingy one, yes. That, uh, but I definitely remember I went to a number of comic conventions, and they would be selling the like. They just have it right at their table, like here it is, all of the like pilots for shows that never air anymore, lost TV shows, and also there there would be some of the found footage type content there too. Yeah,
0: I did not start going to comic book stores until after the bubble burst for the comic industry, and in like what ninety three. Ninety-two, Henry. Yeah,
1: ninety-four. Ninety-four. Okay. I I guess I started
0: going in ninety-four, and uh, the one comic book store in my town was called Rainbow Comics and Cards. So half the store was sports cards and uh, sports memorabilia. The other half was the comic books. But they also sold lottery tickets at this store. (laughs) So most of the people in that store were guys buying lottery tickets, Mm. and uh, that's where I bought (laughs) comics growing up.
3: It always feeds into some addiction. Now it's Magic yeah. the Gathering, right? I mean, that's, yes. you get the addicts there. But yeah, the Android's Dungeon also was Android's Dungeon and baseball card shop, right? That's like right. The whole, yeah, yeah. Um, our hometown had, um, in Stoughton, Wisconsin, had a baseball card shop with a guy like Comic Book Guy, but it also had a, a shop that me and Joe were obsessed with called Wayne's Bargain Store, <laughs> which almost seems like a fake. you know sign gag from uh, the background of a simpsons episode but this guy wayne older guy and the store just had like lacquered elvis clocks you know wooden elvis clocks they had like those tapestries like with like harley davidson riders on it saying like born to ride and and as a kid we were just fascinated about all this just crap in the store and the funniest part about wayne was he hated kids first of all like all these (laughs) shop owners do and uh, especially our age kids and he I, I just he was always just chain smoking smelled awful in the store <laughs> and uh but right behind him he had a, a sign that said no smoking and never oh. commented on it never saw the irony of it <laughs> just uh yeah just smoked smoked away
1: wow my comic shops growing up the ones that stand out to me in my memory were it's like i knew one that wasn't run by a comic book guy type figure like i I went to several comic shops growing up. Uh, most of them were run by a comic shop type guy, like comic book guy. Uh, the only one that wasn't was a uh, a relatively fit guy who his thing was. He wasn't like an old metalhead. He had an anthrax long style goatee. When I say anthrax, I mean the band, not the poison. <laughs> um, but yes, when I moved to Berkeley, California, one of my favorite things when i first moved here was that it had like the dream comic book store like in 2004 Now, if you're a comic book fan, collected trade paperbacks—they're sold everywhere. You can find a giant library of them. You go to any bookstore, you can buy them for like a nickel on Amazon, or it's available digitally. In 2003, 2004, very few comic shops had a library of the collections. They were about just selling you your weekly books. But Comic Relief was the opposite of that. It was just shelf after shelf of all these books I could never find at my local shop when I visited here. I was like, I have to buy every single one of these, and and when I moved here i really enjoyed having that comic shop but but the person who ran it uh was a comic book guy style figure as well and the health issues that happened to comic book guy in this episode sadly affected him as well and he he died about a decade ago and in the comic shop it it couldn't continue after that very sadly the the comic shop uh just became a shell of its former self after he passed away i so i've known a number of comic books uh book guys in my life and I'm trying my best to not be a comic book guy these days, at least in in physical activity and, and weight.
0: I did want to talk about Comic Book Guy and who he is and where he comes from, because this is the first episode that's truly about him. Correct?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So he made his debut uh, a decade earlier, almost in May of 1991. This is February of 2001, and yes, this is the first time he has his entire story. He's not just a background gag or you know a one-liner in a scene. And he would later be named in 2005's, uh, I think it's called Ned and Homer's Hail Mary Pass. His name is Jeff Albertson, which that. the joke is that they just suddenly give him a name and it's very boring, mm. but that's his name. <laughs> and now, uh, as of 2021, one of the last new episodes I saw uh, was, um, I think it's called The Dad Feelings Limited, and it's about him and his wife coming to terms with having a child. That's where this character has come right. he- since his debut <laughs> at, in season two. Yeah, and he,
1: he has a Japanese wife now named uh, kumiko as well yeah he's he's grown quite a lot over time and in surprising ways for him but he began as just the idea of like, this is the comic book store guy you see who is, you know, this small business tyrant who has nothing else in his life, but is an asshole to you at the store when you just want to buy a Spider-Man comic. Uh, but but then as the writers of the show got to know some online fans more and more, he instead became a personification of the people who go onto the mm. message board after every episode and say, worst episode ever. Uh, I'd say it was probably season six onward is when he became the the angry internet guy and not just the guy who owns a comic book store.
3: He was one of my favorite characters for that reason, because he it was sort of the, the writer's chance to kind of make fun of their own diehard fans. Yes. And I, I don't remember seeing that archetype on TV before uh, of the comic book Shop owner, the sort of the alpha nerd. I mean, I'm a big board gamer, and there's there's you know, i board game shop owners are in many ways comic book guys as well. Oh yes. And uh, but the, I think like this is the first time I remember seeing that anywhere in movies or TV. Yeah,
0: yeah. you would see it like in uh, let's say Clerks, but Clerks comes three years after Comic Book Guys invented, so mm-hmm. that's a later invention. Yeah, or to-
3: Toby in American Splendor, maybe you know, hmm. and yeah, things like yeah. that. But yeah, that was all post of uh, Comic Book Guy.
0: And I think at this point in time, in 2001, we are just at the tail end of comics being uncool not mass market things because the next year will be the spider-man movie which will kick off uh, basically all entertainment forever until the sun burns <laughs> yeah. out
1: everything's comic books now yeah it's, uh, it's funny in this episode that they can't even have like a comic book like writer as the guest it's instead a horror guest yeah they have uh
0: tom savini shows up
1: yeah instead of you know stan lee or alan moore that they had in the future
0: The Simpsons will
2: be right back. I am detecting luscious, bite-sized gooey things. I will trade you this rare chocolate radioactive man for the box. Quite literally, mint condition. Not anymore. Ooh! Red spit sandwiches s'mores. fudgy marshmallow graham crackers. Now with Simpsons faces. Fine. I will throw in radioactive man comet number one. Deal. <laughs> Hello, this box is empty. You said the box. Worst trade ever. Oh dear.
0: Ritz Bet Sandwiches S'mores. With The Simpsons, it's more fun.
1: Welcome to the break, everybody. It's Henry Gilbert, and I promise you this is not secretly a blood pack. And I want to say a big, big thank you to our guest this week, Nick Pruer. He is such a cool dude, co host of The Found Footage Fest who gave us so much insight into uh, the world of found footage that this episode is all about. You should definitely follow Found Footage Fest on Twitter. They have a Patreon, and I'm sure they'll be back on the road real soon. Their live show is so much fun to see. Please check them out. They have been such cool friends to me and Bob at the Found Footage Fest. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, Talking Simpsons is brought to you by wonderful subscribers at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. The subscribers there for $5, A month. Not only help me and Bob do this as our full time jobs, but they also get access to so many amazing extras. You get every episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time, and without ads like this one, you can hear next week's right now. And you also get access to tons of exclusive podcasts. Once a month, we do Talking Futurama. We're into season three of Futurama. We cover it in the Simpsons style, but you can only hear it if you're a Patreon subscriber. And there's a giant back catalog of other ones where you've covered the the first season and a half of king of the hill the entire series of mission hill and the entire series of the critic plus tons and tons more please sign up at that five dollar level to see tons of cool stuff that you get in addition to this podcast early at patreon.com slash talking simpsons But if you want to make Frodos of Shelbyville's really jealous, then you need to sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. That is the premium level at the Patreon where you get all the five dollar things i just mentioned but you also get our monthly often over four hours sometimes even over five hours long what a cartoon movie podcast for me and bob go as in-depth as we do into the simpsons into an animated feature film this whole summer we are doing the summer of the disney renaissance covering films like hercules the hunchback of notre dame and coming in august the lion king and there's a giant back catalog in addition to that over 140 hours of us covering movies is diverse from akira to a goofy movie spider-man into the spider-verse to kiki's delivery service and many many more in between go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons to see all the things you're missing out on by not yet being a subscriber once more patreon.com slash talking simpsons Uh, it was also funny hearing uh, Hank Azaria's on the commentary because he won the Emmy for this episode or an Emmy, and they joke about how like he got it from an old college acquaintance of his named F. Uh, who talked in that same way and it was uh, i'd heard it before but it was uh, especially because we just covered the film cool world it was funny to hear that that's where azaria got the voice from but the animation folks who worked on the show who know ralph bakshi they're like oh you're (laughs) making fun of ralph bakshi with this right like no 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 we don't know
0: ralph bakshi is
3: i think this is one of hank's best voices i it's just so funny and perfect
0: Mm-hmm. He was saying on the commentary, it was hard to make comic book guy say things sincerely to Agnes because everything he says is just sarcastic. So he's like, how do I make this character seem sincere?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do wonder about some sometimes when The Simpsons takes a background character or sort of a, a one note character and forces them into Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, I mean, I love knowing more about skinner and his relationship with his mom and stuff but but other times it's like i think this character would just be a better seasoning in the soup than a complete episode and i'm kind of on the fence about that with comic book guy
1: this one i think does it pretty well just because they found a disgusting place to take it and they could have uh, you know gross not year 2001 um grandma makeout humor <laughs> that you you'd got back then
0: they're the, age the... gap lovers yes
1: yeah <laughs>
3: It's Harold and Maude, but they also are two, you know, probably the most antisocial people in Springfield. So it makes sense
1: yeah it is it is a funny combo but you know I, I i like this as a lead comic book guy one I think the the only notes I'd say are really at the ending where they just kind of they they do a fine little episode and then at the end they kind of want to just go like yeah no it's not as good an episode or let's we're we're missing something here well why don't we begin with our first clip here uh we said it on our previous podcast listeners heard but it is still again so eerie how the episode that preceded this that we did from season two also has a farting bottle joke at the breakfast table that's right
0: and one other preamble thing uh larry doyle's on the commentary and he says this episode originally meant to be called the fiver he won't explain why or what that means
1: yeah he's larry doyle is so weird and sheepish on this commentary like he seems kind of unhappy he's also
0: phoning in
1: yeah he's phoning in he just feels weird I think it's Tom Gamble on there. He's like, Hey, you wrote the Pogo strip for a couple years. Didn't you? He's like, (laughs) yeah, I guess. Yeah. I worked in comics. Yeah. It's like, what the, come on, Larry, what the hell? Talk about that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Did you
3: read Pogo at all? My dad was a huge fan.
1: No, that was, that was a real parent thing. I, yeah, Pogo wasn't in my local strips. I, I I
0: read everyone who would influence like uh, Jeff Smith's bone comic and Bill Watterson's Calvin and Hobbes, but I never actually read Pogo itself.
3: I like the art. My dad had the books growing up, but I, I it was kind of over my head, I think. Yeah. And um, a friend of mine, Caitlin, runs the... Uh billy ireland cartoon library and museum in columbus and i know they're doing a big um exhibit of pogo i kind of want to check it out
1: well that's pretty cool i'd check that out well yeah i i just think of pogo as one of those things when i was reading the comic journal like it would say oh you really need to read pogo to know what cartooning is i was like i I guess it felt it always (laughs) felt like homework i never i never bothered yeah, it might be worth revisiting. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, uh, this starts with a farting bottle joke as well. This time, it is uh, a parody of the in 1999 or 2000. I do remember the premiere of the Bisquick shaken pour bottles mm. of, of pancake mix. Oh,
3: everyone remembers where they were. <laughs>
1: It was, the, it
0: was a real has it come to this kind of joke where the same thing I would see with uh, the peanut butter is with the jam now in the same container. Has it come to this? Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's too. Yeah. The, the Bisquick shake and pour bottle was instead of doing the hard thing of having like measuring out uh, the mix and then an egg or whatever. It's just put um, an amount of water into this bottle, shake it up, and it will then be the pancake liquid and pour it in the in the griddle. That's all you got to do. Uh, but uh, but yes, Marge embarrasses herself with it in this first clip.
4: Mm, good pancakes, Mom. Well, thank you, honey. They come in a squeeze bottle now. Whoa. Oh, I better put on the silencer. You know, it'd be good with these is some Ms. Butterworth. Let's have a breakfast meeting. Ew! how long has this baking soda been in here? I don't know. It came with the house. Hey, Dad, bet you five bucks you can't eat the whole box.
2: Five? Why don't we make it 50? Oh, you're gonna regret this.
4: I'll call poison control. Fran, it's me. Just a heads up.
2: Wow. (laughs) The absorbed odors of a million
1: meals. (laughs)
0: You know, I was thinking, is Miss Butterworth being redesigned?
1: Ah, I I had looked into this. Okay, thank you. Because
0: isn't she a a mammy-style character?
1: Well, there is some discussion about that. Okay. Because I don't believe this was always the case with her, but definitely in in my entire lifetime, Mrs. Butterworth is played more as an old white grandmother-type character. There was
0: a real retcon at some point, I think.
1: uh, Definitely Aunt Jemima always was a black woman uh but mrs butterworth uh definitely this joke seems to be about like the pc changing of a mascot then uh, 1999 at the time mrs butterworth the only change it went through was that uh it went from a glass bottle to a plastic one uh, i knew, know no because it was my favorite one but uh as a kid but uh, in uh, the last year the whoever it is that owns mrs butterworth when the stuff was happening you know with uh cream of weed and aunt jemima them changing their mascots mrs butterworth's company was like we're looking into it and apparently their answer is uh no we don't need to change it <laughs> mrs butterworth is fine
3: it looks abstracted enough now i'm looking at a picture of it and it, it, and it looks abstracted enough that i i think you can
1: get away with it <laughs> if you want to see a weird commercial a few years ago they did they did a mrs butterworth uh meets colonel's sanders ad because they were doing chicken and waffles stuff at kfc so you can watch a eerie cg colonel sanders dance with a mrs butterworth bottle and it's uh it's disturbing
0: One other Larry Doyle thing I forgot to mention, sorry, this is more preamble stuff after the first clip, but this is his last episode of the show. Uh, he only wrote during the Mike Scully years, and he would go on to uh, have a feature film writing career, and also he would uh, pen a lot of the Looney Tunes shorts that didn't actually get released in theaters as they had planned on doing because he is the writer of Looney Tunes Back in Action.
1: Right, which did so poorly that it uh, mothballed the Looney Tunes for years afterwards.
0: Also writer of the film we all love and remember, Duplex, the Ben Stiller-Drew Barrymore comedy. And also based on his novel, I Love You, Beth Cooper, is the movie I Love You, Beth Cooper.
1: Maybe Larry Doyle was having a bad time on the production of that movie when he was on the phone. Maybe that's why on the commentary he's very very muted and mumbly. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I just put a new baking soda box in my fridge and every time I look at it, I, I think of this joke. I think <laughs> of like, what would it taste like? What are the dangers inherent in it? I did look up, uh, a poison control website says, although baking soda is helpful in many ways, too much can be a problem. If a large amount of baking soda is ingested, expect vomiting and diarrhea quickly after the ingestion because it raises the sodium levels in your body. Too much sodium in the body can lead to serious symptoms. So, that's an imitatable act showing Homer eating that. Thing.
0: He just he does have an antacid trip as Lisa yes. calls it.
1: Yeah. Does baking
3: soda actually absorb odors in a freezer? Because I've mm-hmm. just I've been to friends places that that have that and they they you know give you ice cubes and it tastes like whatever frozen food was next to the ice cube yeah so I, I don't
1: know how effective that is you know i think it is that people don't change it out enough like the joke in here i think people i've i was guilty of this in bachelor dumb as well Of like well i put this thing in there a uh, baking soda box is good forever it can absorb uh, sense <laughs> forever but eventually it does it gets old and stops working yeah Uh, there's got to be a better way or is everybody there's there has to be in the the year 2021 we must have a fancier solution than just an open yellow box of (laughs) arm and hammer baking soda
3: put a man on the moon but you can't make ice cubes not taste like <laughs> hungry man dinners
1: you know it's also uh, this feels like a very al gene thing of having homer eat something gross as a plot point uh and they there's a bit of funny uh jokitude on the commentary of mentioning how matt selman and al Jean both have done food-based dares mm. in the simpsons writers room
0: but then matt selman won't say what he ate although algae does confess to biting the or licking or biting the caramel on the uh, ceiling i
1: think I think he said it was a bite. people said it was a lick he says it's a bite
0: he seems deeply ashamed of himself
1: yeah, yeah. it's it's so fun i think he only took credit for it because they were saying oh yeah didn't conan do that and i bet gene was like i don't want conan o'brien to <laughs> this to be on the record that he did it so i'm gonna have to say it was me so
3: i think that's a thing because i remember um among comedy writers because i guess they're eating disgusting food all day and they don't want to work so anything to sort of you know i guess stave off having to work and and disgusting food challenges especially when it was like an all-male writer's room i guess ritual torture is just part of (laughs) that environment you know it's turns into lord of the flies fairly quickly it, yeah. it becomes
0: a frat bro- uh, brotherhood very quickly yes yeah, uh, so. bill oakley has talked about it but because there were no smartphones or other distractions at the time you would gain like 50 pounds writing for a sitcom because food was the only stimulus mm-hmm. that you were looking forward to outside of just writing jokes
3: just- i could see that i remember um, rob burnett who is the executive producer at letterman he was working on that show ed with tom cavanaugh and took place in the bowling alley and all that and they would have they would go out to eat together and have those challenges they'd go out to play where you had to finish the steak, you know, like from the movie <laughs> The Great Outdoors, the old 90- 96-er, you know? Yes. <laughs> and just get extremely sick, but I guess that was just part of the fun. Yeah.
1: Man, the, the writer's room, at least, if you're working at a place like Letterman and you're in Manhattan in the writer's room, that has to be at least a little better than being in a Hollywood writer's room and having to be like, well, send out the intern. They got to drive an hour back and forth from the one from the eight places we want.
3: Yeah, it was just getting, I mean, you could get really good food delivered, but I think, you know, once like places that had milkshakes would deliver, you know, then uh, <laughs> floodgates were open.
1: I think the Matt Selman one, I think he's the guy who got, who got dared to eat the berries that grew outside the writer's room. That's right. I think right, Matt yeah. Selman, that was his one. <laughs>
0: Uh, so I'm not accusing anyone of foul play here, but this opening feels a lot like the opening to Boy Scouts in the Hood, in which Bart and Milhouse have money taken from Homer to go on a jag slash spree. Except it's not a a bender they go on, mm-hmm. but they do start at a poos. So very similar.
1: Yeah, it's. I was. Th- I'm glad you said that. I was uh, considering the same thing because it is like getting you. They have twenty dollars in 1994. Now it turned into fifty dollars. That's inflation,
0: I guess. <laughs> Yes, but but they don't see cats.
1: Yeah, they don't go to see cats. There's not. Uh, I mean, David Merkin hated cats more than Mike Scully. I guess that's part of it too. It
3: also reminded me of Let's Go Crazy Broadway style with the uh, all syrup squishy. Oh yes. Is that
0: yes. the yeah, the one you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, same yeah. episode. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, same episode. Got it. It has uh, an awful name. Uh, the, the way Homer has his anti-acid trip too, it's a surprising thing to me because I know in the past when they would say have Nixon say a thing, they would just have Harry Shearer pretend to be Nixon and say the quote. But this time they're like, they play Johnny Cochran, they play Nixon, they play Ar- Neil Armstrong. They, they It's just the direct clips. It's It was surprising to hear that use. Uh, but yes, they go on a jag. This time when they go to Quickie Mart, I do like that Apu becomes a personal show shopper like that yeah it's, it's some good uh, good comedy there <laughs> like just let us shop and like you know i'm not about gum but i'm into the whole chewing thing like that that's cute i like that
3: yeah, that was a good bit.
1: And th- and that having $50 makes them like a, b- a millionaire who walks into uh, Tiffany's or whatever <laughs> to get a private uh, viewing of it. And uh, that's when we get also right after that, they use some fabric softener, which we get to see Millhouse still wearing his My Little Pony underwear. The second Millhouse loves My Little Pony joke of the season.
0: You know, it's just like baking soda. I don't know if fabric softener works, but I still put that little sheet in with my drying. Every and, time, you know, it's like yeah. magic. It smells slightly <laughs> better.
3: Could be a placebo. We'll never know. Well, no one will ever find out.
1: I never feel like the clothes feel different when I forget to put them in there. But yeah, it's that scent of it. It's really special. Uh, but of course, the the kids then do the next thing you do if you have ten dollars uh, to burn, and that's go to a comic book store. And I definitely misspent uh so much money in my childhood at comic book stores uh though i did want to say uh they they talk about issue 1000 and uh the price is a bit higher but uh it is when they charge more for a comic when it's at an anniversary issue hmm. kind of thing for example 2003 saw amazing spider-man 500 that comic was only three dollars and 50 cents 2018 saw action comics hit issue 1000 just as Radio active man does here that hundred page comic was eight dollars so still not a 25 dollar comic but then again they those didn't have the technology of forever mint condition that uh, Radioactive <laughs> Man One Thousand has.
0: That the faces Bongo Comics.
1: That's so good. I uh, no more Bongo. No, There's no. no more Bongo Comics around. It's sad.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, I love Bongo Comics, like the uh, the early Simpsons comics, and it's probably too old to be reading them. But just any any Simpsons comment uh, content at that point, I was desperate for.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Macarini has a new comic label, and I think all they've released so far is a Disenchantment calendar.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Bapper Books we need to see more of it though i wonder where the you know uh, bongo comics existed because graining did have the comic publishing rights to simpsons i wonder what that means you know in a post disney buyout world does disney want to publish simpson comics on their own uh from their own publishing labels i, I w- certainly wouldn't think they'd want to give that up to mac Raining. but uh in, in this world bongo comics are not simpson comic books they are comics starring bongo from the life in hell comics
0: this is uh, just the Simpsons writers hating the comics. That's all it is. I know. That's they're all so it is.
1: mean to the comic writers. It's, but, you know, I'm also glad they're buying a Radioactive Man comic. That is the continuity of the world mm-hmm. in. There. They're not buying, you know, I they, they could have just been a Batman or a Spider-Man comic, but to have it be Bart's favorite fictional superhero for their world, Radioactive Man, I appreciate that.
0: I appreciate the continuity because Mrs. Prince comes in, a rare spoken appearance by Mrs. Prince, and Martin is at Fat Camp, which is where he went for Camp Krusty. So yeah. a lot of continuity is happening in this episode, the surprising amount. And we rarely ever hear uh, Mrs. Prince talk because they both just sound like Martin.
1: Yeah, and she has the season one blue hair to show she's this lost character. Like, But yes, uh, the purchasing of uh, Radioactive Man 1000 doesn't go so well in this next clip.
4: Radioactive Man number 1000,
2: please. $10. I laugh at you. Please do note. This is no ordinary comic book. It is in permanent condition. If you spill soda on it, it drops fly off harmlessly onto lesser comics. Oh. Yes, you are quite correct to gasp. Also note <laughs> the price, $25.
4: We had to buy lunch for that homeless guy. While my son's at fat camp, I cleaned out his room. How much will you give me for this?
2: Probably nothing, but let us see. Who? Handwritten script for Star Wars by George Lucas. Princess Leia's anti-jiggle breast tape. Film reel labeled, alternate ending, Luke's father is Chewbacca. Oh! Oh! I'll give you five dollars for the box.
4: Sold. Don't do it, lady. That stuff's worth thousands. Yeah, he's ripping you off. (laughs) Well, if this is valuable, then back to the
2: leaky basement it goes. Smile, please.
1: She sounds like she's Minnie Mouse's mother. The character does. It's, it's a real Minnie Mouse voice. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, but
3: yeah we Took were, me out of it. <laughs>
0: we were in a weird time for Star Wars too, because we were right between Episode One and Two, and I think the enthusiasm was pretty low. Mm-hmm.
1: But but there was still time for uh, Slave Girl Leia costume jokes as well. Like <laughs>
0: actually, they don't call her Slave Leia anymore. It's now like Captive Leia. All
1: oh, right. Sorry. Sorry. I don't but, apologize to me, Henry. No. I uh, I need to respect the Disney branding that's exactly I, now the well yeah because th- that joke was because you know I think around uh, 97 or so during the 20th anniversary that's when it was getting more popularized Carrie, Fisher telling stories of the tape she wore mm. during her performance and guys taking it off at the end of the day. Uh, so that's why people knew about the, the the breast tape that she wore.
3: A little ashamed to admit this, but do you remember Premiere magazine, you know, the movie magazine? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. 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 So the return of the Jedi issue came, my dad got the magazine and it had, you know, the, the cast on there and it had Leia who's kind of like squatting down in her captive leia outfit but the address label was over where her butt would be so i got back from school and my parents were back from work yet and kind of tried to steam the label off so that i could see more of carrie fisher's butt Uh, and uh it it didn't work so i'm like i'm just gonna you know try to carefully peel it and it ended up ripping the magazine and i was like oh no my, my parents are gonna find out i wanted to see that and and um oh. so i just kind of carefully put it with the rest of the mail and i was not expecting much and around five o'clock i went in my bedroom and my dad's like who tore my premier magazine <laughs> so i don't think i was ever implicated but um you heard it here first. I
0: was going to uh, carefully peel off the butt sticker. Yeah, that, <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh, I had the solvent. Leave that for me. <laughs> no, yeah, that's you know the pre-internet age. That's what you had to do to see to see a, a sexy picture. Sometimes that's that's so that's so funny that you have to so carefully remove it. That I mean that's that's a mistake on the shippers that they they put that label over there. Put that over you know Chewbacca's head or something.
3: I agree. I agree. (laughs) But isn't that interesting, though? It just it feels like, you know, Clerks was out before this, right? Before this episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and they get really deep into the woods with theorizing about, you know, Star Wars. So like Chewbacca was Luke's father, just seemed a little pedestrian for Mm. Star Wars references.
1: No, they could go deeper. It's, uh, you know, some of these Star Wars jokes feel like writers not wanting to admit they know enough about Star (laughs) Wars to make a more accurate Star Wars joke right or at least a fear that like we could lose the audience meanwhile you know family guy is doing very specific jokes about just like a single line like like it's a trap like they simpsons wasn't ready for the uh that kind of meme mockery of star wars at this point
3: yeah, but if there was ever an episode to do it, it would be worst episode ever with comic mm-hmm. book guy.
1: Yeah, I, but but this is about how, you know, the thought was in someone's basement somewhere is a crazy thing you've never heard of or that will be worth a million dollars and the comic book guys of the world get to profit off them because of parents that sell off their comic book collections. I, I mean, I also think, I think Al Jean and other comic nerds on the writing staff had gone through this experience in their like 1970s childhoods though my mom actually is the opposite of that she is saved there's comic books that i wouldn't have been that offended if she threw away because i'd be like i understand you moved across the country you didn't (laughs) have to keep all my comic books but she did and i i think i think it's jokes like these or that it happened to her brothers growing up she's like "Ah, i saw how much that hurt my brothers when my my mom threw out her comic uh their comic book collections so i'll be nice and keep my my sons but one of these days, I'm going to rent a car and drive them back here. So <laughs> all two thousand issues of Spider-Man comics that are sitting in my stepfather's garage can finally can finally be in my apartment, collecting dust.
0: Wizard magazine does not lie; those are worth a million dollars. Oh yeah,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> my parents recently sent back all my sports cards. I had basketball and football cards from the '80s, and um, they I think they just finally got tired of. You know, having them collect dust in their basement. So they send them back, and I look through them and I'm like, I don't want to go through and look at the the Beckett guide and see, and like, who's buying sports car? I mean, I guess now there's a bit more demand, but for newer ones, like these ones are just all worthless.
0: Now, well, if those were NFTs, we'd be talking.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, the advent of eBay really hurt a lot of that stuff because a price guide can tell you one thing, but you know what the actual price is when you go on eBay and see that, like, even comics I thought were the most collectible of my childhood—if I could get fifty dollars on eBay for them, I'd be like, "Oh, awesome, man! Mm-hmm. Fifty whole bucks!" Like you're you're lucky to get five for most. Which it's a it's a buyer's market on eBay for collectible comics right now. Uh, well, but- if
3: anybody wants a uh, if anybody any listener out there wants a, a 1988 Don Mikowski rookie card for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, <laughs> Clear, I believe. Just, uh, you know where to find me.
0: I only want cards that are referenced on The Simpsons, like the Carl Yastrzemski card. Yeah, give me that one.
1: <laughs> big sideburns. You know, Mill uh, Martin should have sold some of this stuff when he was trying to buy Radioactive Man One. If he he'd gotten a hundred bucks for just one of these things, that's that's my question. How Martin had any of these things, really? But uh, I I do like that. What puts his, them into the ban area is that as revenge they prevent comic book guy from basically becoming a millionaire (laughs) off of that stuff. Like I, I like that they punish him for that and that the mother still makes sure they don't get rich off of it either. And she just, Seemingly will destroy them and puts them back in the leaky basement. <laughs>
0: and on the band for life walls, a photo of Matt Garening, but it doesn't really look like him. It's not the greatest drawing. And even on the commentary, they're like, Who is that? Is that yeah. George Lucas? Like, no, oh, that's Matt Garening.
1: You know, I think it'd be another year before they formalize the true Matt Groening look that he'd always be after that when he's when he's at the comic convention during the next comic book guy centric episode when he's uh, about to marry Edna, if you recall. I love when he says, like, tug on my beer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean when I was a little kid I had one comic shop within 30 miles before I could get and this was when I couldn't drive. So if I had been banned I'd be pretty heartbroken too.
3: Absolutely. It was like a social center before, you know, you could hang out anywhere legally on your own. You could kind of be unsupervised in a comic store.
1: Yeah, though then you'd get to know the re- the other regulars there and you're like, "Oh, I can I can kind of see why comic book guys are driven nuts by some of the regulars who stick around all day and say like, uh, hey, you ever read this comic? It's pretty good, right? Right. Yeah. People
0: low on the social skills ladder yes, tend to congregate yeah. there. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and now they have the internet for that, so they don't—they don't have to talk to people. Uh, but yes, Homer then uh, tells Bart that uh, he knows how it is to be kicked out of a place too, and we go back to. So look, I'm not saying that Gallagher wasn't performing in the '70s because he was, but this gallagher mocking gallagher comedy it just feels too easy for the show i don't know yeah i yeah, wondered, was a
3: little dated
0: and i wonder if they thought we could get gallagher but he obviously has no sense of humor about himself <laughs> uh, as we've all learned in, in recent years so uh yeah it's um it, it feels a little like i don't know uh, gallagher jokes had been done I, I do like gallagher's own frustration about not being in movies though that's
1: a good joke <laughs> yeah. yeah i i on the commentary they joke of like oh, do we ask gallagher nah No, we didn't. We didn't. Like, uh, how? I, I have you ever met Gallagher yourself, Nick?
3: No, it's on my bucket list. (laughs) Um, Oh,
1: the
0: clock's ticking. But
3: I know. Well, some friends um, from the Onion, when um, it was still in New York, uh, decided to go see Gallagher in New York. Uh, He was playing somewhere, a smaller comedy venue, and they're like, "Oh, this would be kind of funny. Go see Gallagher." And of course, I knew him from the VHS tapes. Those are some of the first things you could rent at. A, a video rental store um, and oh, they yeah. went and saw him and I guess at some point he said something racist <laughs> and kind of got some groans <laughs> and then he goes oh I forgot I'm in liberal New York you can't even say shit like that anymore and and the audience turned on him and like he just started uh, shouting at the audience and they they had they were recording this too and it's just very uncomfortable
0: well I mean uh, we are a decade out now from the come on Gallagher come on
1: yes, the Mark yeah Maron, the Mark Maron yeah, one, yeah
0: gallagher storming out of wtf oh god and then like a decade later obama would be on the show uh
1: i love that one because he's like i came up with letterman you know we were at the same time why didn't i have a tv show there eh? or he's like yeah i had a piece of the te- teenage mutant ninja turtles you know like he's oh, he, he was just so combative and that's how reactionary he was And like a decade ago like I I can't imagine he could even perform comedy at this point without like two seconds in just exploding with rage at the audience for not laughing properly at something but uh but yeah just in this case it's like oh Homer it's just kind of an easy food monster Homer joke of just him he went to the front row so he could eat the watermelon before he gets smashed like I at the very least they I do appreciate the joke that homer thinks he would ever be in a movie when he
0: never would be (laughs) it's surprising there was never a gallagher movie though
1: (laughs) at the very least you think in like 87 he could have scored one
0: like direct to video at least
1: i i mean it might have just been that like he literally was impossible to work with and any even uh filmmakers like oh no 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 i this this man is undirectable i at least like how long homer is sobbing that's pretty funny <laughs> cut
0: back yeah cut from him in the flashback sobbing to him in the present sobbing and i think i've seen that uh gift a lot homer yes. sobbing at the table i am forgetting it was him crying about being getting kicked out of the gallagher show <laughs> no
1: me too it's a, it is a memed image quite a lot and then lisa is reading the daily setup which i wish they'd use more often because it's just such an obvious like <laughs> lisa just says what the next scene is going to be like you know in the newspaper here uh, yeah i
3: like that they still still do meta
1: stuff and uh and tom savini it was an interesting pick then like if you if you were a you know cult movie fan you've you'd probably heard of them i did When this episode aired, I did know Tom Savini, not even really for his makeup work. I knew him because he would appear in, like, From Dusk Till Dawn in, like, random roles in films.
0: And in this episode, he says there's always a place for practical effects. It's actually not true. He retired because there was, uh, the CGI was taking over everything he used to do. I think he retired from doing makeup in 2012, but he is still acting in things. Oh, wow,
1: that's cool. Yeah, that's i mean that is so sad like our our friends on the Chapo trap house podcast talk about this a lot but it's like squibs man squibs i miss him so much just physical fake blood exploding off of a person it uh it i sound like an old man too complaining about it but when you see digital blood it doesn't feel the same and in, in most cases
3: yeah absolutely i, I mean i i and I think people are starting to go back to it. The pendulum is spinning or is going the other direction now where people are starting to do more practical effects. It'll, it'll never be what it once was, but yeah, you can appreciate it when people do that.
1: Like when you see uh hateful eight, the Tarantino movie, how much work he's like, no, this is some real ass blood. We're covering actors in blood for days while we film them. And it's like, it does add something. I also respect the actors for being covered in, you know, corn syrup or whatever for days on end while having blood explode out of them but like that's another reason they that it stopped happening in movies as much cuz it is much harder to film and actors get uncomfortable in it so if you can just have digital paints be put on later uh for most people they take that easy way out
3: plus it was fun i mean we did a our first short film um out of college we just wanted to rig somebody up in squibs so we kind of did it ourselves where we took Condoms and filled them with fake blood, taped them to a board, and then put little um, explosive devices behind them. And I had some friends rig them up to like electronic like pad that would you know complete the circuit and set off the thing And it was the most fun we had on set we spent oh. all day rigging it and uh it's just fun like guys like tom savini i mean they had it they, they had the best job in the world
1: that's awesome man that's uh no and then and he was friends with dana gould the writer oh on yeah the show, so that's how they got home. any kind of oh. guy
0: or, or lady from the world of horror dana gould probably knows from back mm-hmm. in the day
1: yeah <laughs> famously Vampira, uh he helped her you know live out her uh final days in uh better conditions than she had been like he he took care of her and uh yeah he's D- dana gould is a freak for those things he he loves it i mean and, and planet of the apes he he loves him so much i believe
0: her name was mylon mm. he was the peter bogdanovich to her orson orson <laughs> wells in their in yeah, their pairing I was gonna say, yeah uh well, although urson wells is the bear version of Ur- orson Wells, so <laughs>
1: he is quite urside in yes. his later years i'm not even a horror mega fan but dawn of the dead and day of the dead the makeup triumphs that uh dom savini has in those alone it's like he deserves uh every makeup oscar every year he made a movie for what he did but but often he didn't get celebrated uh the way he would because of you know it's horror it's lesser it's it's cheap and, and gone uh but uh, but it was cool that he came on the show for this and uh and bart is told not to worry his spiky little head because homer's got a plan bart says how could you have a plan how could uh. you have a plan down you just heard about the problem oh you're right <laughs> and then homer actually makes his plan. When you know that Homer actually is just selling them out, it's even crueler that he makes them walk all that way with him on his shoulder.
0: It's both to feel tall and to get paid by a comic book guy.
1: (laughs) I love him selling him out. That's great. Yeah, this also, you know, really takes me back to the times I miss of when comic shops existed and you could be indoors with stuff. And I hope it comes back soon. Like that same local comic shop I talked about, they would host guests all the time, often Mm. more from the indie comics world than the, you know, major publications. And it's how I learned about a lot of cool people. Like one of my favorites was seeing Chip Zdarsky, the, a very funny comedy writer and artist Uh, who worked on the Sex Criminals comics. And it's a really good one. Just seeing Chip Zdarsky live and getting to interview him or uh, getting to see him interviewed was really cool. I miss things like this. I hope they resume in the surviving comic shops of the pandemic.
3: During this uh, era, I was pretty big into alternative comics. And I guess I guess it would have been earlier than this. But like hate and angry youth comics and you know stuff like that so i remember going to comic book shops to see like peter Bag and johnny ryan and and see them or, you know sign things give a little talk they're accessible
1: yeah yeah same uh around here the the artist adrian tomine like lived and you hmm. be he made you couldn't keep him away from the comic shop he'd be showing up all the time there
0: and there's a little reference to Barnes & Noble. I love I love his Mr. Barnes & Noble, the way yeah. he says it. But that's this is also uh, a time when the brick-and-mortar bookstore was huge. And for me, it was peak going to a bookstore and not buying anything times oh, for me. Yeah. Just uh-huh. like, where do you want to hang out? It's the middle of the day. Let's go to Barnes & Noble. Let's go to Borders and just walk around. Boy, there sure aren't a lot of books. Let's look, <laughs> let's look through some of them, maybe buy a coffee, and then leave. So that's uh-huh. why there are none of these anymore. And if you go to Barnes & Noble now there's one that's kind of biased but it's mostly about selling you games and toys and the books are somewhere in the back
1: oh yes yeah yeah though there used to be one across the street from where i live and that one shut down it actually the wow it was across the street from an independent bookstore and that one survived it's still around pegasus books but uh i bet they thought oh when barnes and noble shows up we're screwed but really barnes and noble was just a shoplifting center and a place to just hang out all day
3: there's a barnes and noble a big like i think four story one in union square here in new york and the the reason i know it and where i why i use it mostly nowadays is uh they have a public bathroom and those are a commodity in manhattan so sometimes you'll plan a trip you know you're like okay if i'm in the union square area i know there's a bathroom on the second floor you don't have to buy anything so it's still good for something yes
0: very important for city life is to know where the public bathrooms are
1: yes so yeah he taunts barnes and noble and uh he's uh, a lot about his competition i wonder how did he score tom savini when he's such an asshole to him like how did he how did he get him i mean i bet i bet savini has had his times of having a host at a place be like oh you're kind of a jerk to me or you're trying to like big time me in your store i'm I'm your guest
3: actually that that new um, Adrian Tomina uh, comic really hit close to home. Um, I don't know if you, you read it, but it's about kind of doing tours and uh, being in comic book shops and like uh, just kind of what that life's like. And the, the person who booked you no longer works there. And you just kind of show <laughs> up. And like, I guess we can put a table out and they didn't promote you. I bet oh. th- that happened all the time.
1: Oh, wow. I haven't heard about it. I got to read this. I I've, I've gotten behind in his works. I need to check this one out. Yeah, his old optic nerve yeah, yeah. stuff. I love that. But okay, I'm gonna check it's this. Not, one
3: out. Yeah, it's really good. It's called uh, "The Loneliness of a Long Distance Cartoonist," <laughs> and it's not it's it's not quite like what we do with Found Footage Festival. At least we have each other there. But imagine being you know on your own on tour, like at a small town comic shop, and and nobody shows up. You know, it's that kind uh. of thing.
1: That's so, man, that sounds, uh, that sounds awesome. I'm buying this after this, but uh, maybe for my local comic shop. I don't know. But (laughs) I, I, another thing I love about reading his comics is that, at least when he lived in berkeley california i would just see that you know he would use backgrounds from like you know local photo references and i could just go like oh that's my bart station or that's this place like yeah uh,
3: that's always kind of cool when when you can uh you know recognize something drawn
1: oh well and also i was just watching uh my husband he grew up in queens but he hadn't watched this 2002 spider-man movie in forever and when a shot just a random shot of peter parker running down the street is in queens like we paused he's like i lived there like <laughs> that's my apartment right Whoa. there <laughs> but uh but yes tom savini is uh having some fun up on stage even though but well though bart and millhouse are watching from the window
2: oh please i saw paul lind do that same hackney trick on bewitched Try to explode this out of my belly. That's not a cookie. Ugh. Ugh. That's a time-release blood pack. Uh, uh, uh. You, sir, are a perfect patsy. Let me shake your hand. Ugh. To the gag, I will give a D plus. As for the workmanship on the hand, it ooh ooh ooh, ooh. ooh. that's not right. <laughs> you mocking me? Oh, that is rich. <laughs> Stop your laughing You're all banned Banned I tell you Uh, Breath short Left arm numb Can't go on Describing symptoms much longer
0: Uh, I think he's had a heart attack What a weird act break
1: yeah it's it's just on pure emotion you're just supposed to go get but that's the one deleted scene on the disc though there actually is a joke right after that i I thought so yeah uh and the joke was tom savini after he says he's had a heart attack then he says and our ponytails got tangled up and his ponytail is stuck in comic book guys (laughs) ponytail
3: oh they should have kept that that's good and and it doesn't like pretend that you actually care about comic book guy's health you know because he's just a joke character
1: before this
0: now does he have an age gary albertson Mm,
1: well he i do believe when that girl hits on him in uh, season eight he says what do you think of 45 year old virgins who still live in the with their mother (laughs)
0: yeah and because of that he is on wikipedia as 45 well there you
1: go okay man so that's the new age we've soon will surpass the age homer is in the show (laughs) but and once we are 46 it's like crap we're older than comic book guy now oh no
3: i'm i'm currently comic book guy's age oh
1: wow not sure
3: how i feel about
1: that (laughs) the the comic book guy freak out is funny i though tom savini is not a magician like this it's it is kind of a big jump to be like well because he's very good at doing you know movie special effects live in person he can do literal yeah. magic like
0: <laughs> and i don't know how these wizard hats uh got i mean they got onto his breast comic book guy why yes. Why did why, was he selling wizard hats
1: <laughs> yeah it's just a display <laughs> of wizard hats just sitting to the side that also doesn't make much sense no
0: it's so gross
1: the animation like they do really good animation on just fat guy acting Nastic in his team they did like him wiping the pulling up his shirt and exposing his gut as he wipes blood off his face is just so gross and like i don't think he's ever been drawn heavier than when he is, has his heart attack like it's it's shocking how big he is and, uh, and yeah also again i'm thinking of this episode and other ones i was like i don't want to have a comic book guy type moment <laughs> on a podcast i've lost 40 pounds Ooh, guys in the, in the last year so hey
3: congrats that's outstanding
1: Thanks. I, I'm sticking with it, and I, I off, I need to just keep the scene in my mind of like I can't, I can't die of a heart attack on a podcast stage <laughs> someday. I mean, un- unfortunately, w- at least one of the comic shop owners I knew this did happen to them i believe even in the store it happened it is called and, the Widowmaker. yeah but this this, <laughs> this man also did not leave a widow unfortunately <laughs> it's uh and then a whole thing happened with like his parents uh, ignoring his will and keeping the song it was a mess i don't i don't want to get too into it but it's it's sad that's that's why these jokes like if you allow comic book guy to age or if you treat it too realistically it's not funny anymore it's tragic and you're looking at a man who like grew Greatly decreased his lifespan because he is immobile all day and eats uh, only eats garbage. He got a
0: hundred tacos for the Doctor Who marathon.
3: <laughs> is there going to be a 2022 episode where Comic Book Guy becomes uh, active on Eight Chan? Or <laughs> uh, you know, what Ooh. if it gets too close to the uh, the Q kind of thing, the insult thing? Then it yeah, it gets kind of icky. Mm,
0: yeah, they have not done a Q episode. Yeah, I not think yet. I think South Park has. If oh I'm yeah, correct about oh, that. Well, they're usually faster yeah. on
1: that. Uh, you know. Yeah. The, they did do the 699th episode, which some may know because it controversially made Homer a hip hop loving teen in the early 90s, uh, that big change to continuity the other half of that episode people talk less about is homer gets mad at jj abrams for making a movie based on a thing he loved in his childhood and comic book guy teaches homer how to be a hateful fan on the internet who attacks Hmm, jj abrams so okay they they have gotten within range of that of of comic Mm -hmm. book guy being it yeah uh and so we come back from the commercial break uh hibbert is goofing around with him but is clear you almost died. And he tells them not to have stress, but he doesn't say the obvious thing he should say. You need to drastically change your diet right now. Uh but but that's not very funny for an episode. Uh but instead, uh comic book guy has to tell him it's time he closes down the store.
2: You saved my life?
4: Yeah, after you were so mean to us.
2: So now we're even My prognosis <laughs> or diagnosis. Whichever. You need to avoid stress. What kind of work do you do? I run a comic book store. Oh, dear Lord. We call that profession the widow maker. We would if any of the proprietors were married. You should close down the store for a while. But I'd lose all my business to Frodo's of Shelbyville. Then get a friend to run it for you. You do have friends, don't you? Well, the super friends. Well, you should get some friends who aren't printed on paper what you mean action figures
4: we'll run the store for
2: you 210 year olds running my store I, I mean, what, what is this bizarro world calm down don't make me put a dog heart in there
0: <laughs> yeah and in uh and i really like the joke it was it's so subtle but uh them saying yeah after you were so mean to us so now we're even <laughs>
1: that's great yeah. uh yeah. but
0: We are in uh, February of 2001. The word Frodo is just a silly, goofy word. What is a Frodo? People will find out in December. They'll know all about Frodo. Because (laughs) you would, like in the 90s and 80s or whatever, you'd see the Frodo Lives shirt or bumper sticker. Just like, what is a Frodo? I I don't know what this is. But Mm -hmm. we will have complete Frodo awareness soon as Americans.
1: (laughs) Noah, if you look back, when I rewatch old stuff, like I didn't read, I read Hobbit as a kid, but I never read The Lord of the Rings until after the movies came out out and then when i would watch back things like simpsons or mystery science theater has so many lord of the rings references but it's only for the mega heads who read the books like most other people when i heard kevin murphy do a thing like oh it's the Ents about a big tree i had no clue what that was then like and now now everybody knows it I also think of that when I was working at a bad job and was single, I often <laughs> thought about like the line of saying, we call this the widow maker, as if any of the guys were married. but Yeah, that's a good
3: joke. I like that joke.
1: Uh, and in case you're curious about the difference between a diagnosis and a prognosis, I've got the answer straight from Webster's. So, a diagnosis is an identification of a disease via examination. What follows is a prognosis, which is a prediction of the course of the disease as well as the treatment and results. A helpful trick to remember is that a diagnosis becomes, a pro- becomes before a prognosis because that's how they are alphabetically as well. Mm. So, I believe he is giving him a prognosis.
0: Or just think of diagnosis murder.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and prog rock. And prog rock. Exactly. That's a good device you know i do hope after jokes like this in the show though i hope it led some comic book guys out there to live better lives like i uh, the the comic shop owner i knew like he was an award-winning comic shop owner he won awards like the eisner award they made it up Mm. for like to honor great comic book stores he was the first winner of it and i was at the the only eisner awards i ever attended was the first one after his passing and the winners of it that year which were a married couple actually uh so it, would, uh, it actually would be a widow maker, but they were healthy and they had this very sad speech about how they they wished he was still with them and and I wished other people took care of themselves better and could learn from it i i hope comic shop owners are in better shape these days
3: I think they are, and I just because we always go to comic shops on on the road at, with found um, footage festival. It's how we spend our days a lot of times. And there's good like uh, there's one called Vault of Midnight in um, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, there's Quimby's in Chicago that are. I think I think part of it is also just being more welcoming to people of all types, you know. And yes. so you see a lot more women at these shops, and, and they're just more inviting in general than they used to be.
1: Yeah, I, I will also say that comic shop uh, in Berkeley that I love so much it was the first place i ever saw women working at a comic shop that was not the case in any other comic shop i had been to before i i hope it is in other places it, it, that maybe i was in very repressive areas but comic shops are very were famously pretty unwelcoming to women for the longest time i i hope i would hope a lot are working more on that these days
3: seem to be seem to be
1: and uh, i i also do like the comic book guy becomes the complaining fan on the internet of like two ten 10 year Old's running a comic book store like he's he's complaining that it's a dumb plot
0: twist His premise makes no sense <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: uh, but uh, i mean as a kid you dream of running your own comic shop like that is that is one of those childhood dreams fulfilled that always makes for a good bart story
3: and, that and running a factory, you
1: yeah. know, running your own yeah. factory.
3: And Bart and Milhouse get to do both.
1: You know, there are several jokes in here that are basically the same as when Bart yeah. owned his own factory. Bart yeah. is the
0: patronizing <laughs> boss in both cases, but I guess yeah. they naturally fall into those roles.
1: It's it's what Milhouse is born to be. He's meant, He is to be the supplicant at all times. That's Milhouse for you. Uh, but I like seeing whole, uh, Bart just walk around the comic shop and, and shaking everybody's hands Uh, But at first we get a very, I like this joke a lot. On the commentary, Mike Scully's confused by it. He's like, he (laughs) thought he forgot to write a joke. But as an anti-joke, I really love this.
4: Okay, here's comic book guy's instructions. A carton of malted milk balls, one box confectioner's sugar, a can of chocolate frosting. That's just his shopping list. No, it's his instructions. (laughs) Well, we're going to make some changes around here. This store's going to be run by kids and for kids. You said it. Oh, nice to see you. Hey, how about that bloodzilla? (laughs) Vampire dinosaur. Oh, you can't make that stuff up. The death of sad sack. This better not be another (laughs) Uh, fake-out. You gotta be 40 inches tall for the adult section. Please? Okay, but get on your tippy-toes.
0: Okay so I have to say this they cut out a much better joke mm-hmm. Ralph's original mm-hmm. joke was he goes into the room we don't see what he said we don't see what he sees but the line is she's hungry that's a really... that's a way <laughs> oh. filthier joke but I think it implies the, spe- the specificity of the sex act that Ralph is seeing so I yes. think everybody's hugging you're not putting as much of that onto Ralph and his mm-hmm. his, his innocence I guess <laughs> but she's hungry that is very very funny
1: that is very funny yes i it's too bad they couldn't keep it but at least it gets to live on in the commentary we can now know that joke oh that's good <laughs> uh and i'll i'll admit even i the biggest comic nerd on the podcast i had never heard of sad sack before this joke like i ben, didn't either yeah I, I had to google him like it's i so i got to give it to the uh, the creators on this one that they they found a very deep cut like sad sack was a beetle bailey type he's a comically bad soldier invented for world war ii era comic books who continued being published into the early 80s by harvey uh, okay. Uh, but now he no longer exists as they say Mm. so having him on the cover like the sad sack comic that's that's such a deep deep pull is that cover a parody of a comic cover i'm glad you asked okay thank you yes yeah there's well so there have been many 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 comic book covers where the cover is implying if you buy this you'll see a character death and it's one famous character holding the body of another famous character cradled in their arms in a similar fashion but the most iconic one would be crisis on infinite earth number seven drawn Mm. by george perez uh, where supergirl does die in the comic it's not a fake out and superman is crying holding her dead body in his hands so that's the one they're parodying and that has been redone in countless comic book covers since then oh
0: yeah i'm looking at it now it's definitely (laughs) a direct parody of that
1: and uh funnily enough comic book guy got his own comic book in 2010 and one of the covers parodies this cover except it is comic book guy is dead and he's being held up by a bunch of people because he's so heavy you Mm. see and uh And that comic is written by a friend of the show, Ian Boothby. Ooh. He wrote it.
0: Did Nina draw that
1: one? Uh, she is not the credited well, uh, artist on the internet. Okay, no. No, I, I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nina, but I'm uh, the websites say that it was uh, a different artist. But that comic cover is has been referenced quite a lot. Uh, though my comic shop uh so the local one here they'd have the adult stuff if something was a purely pornographic comic that actually was behind the counter and you had Mm. to ask for it but comics like sin city or sandman that had r-rated elements those are just loose in uh on the floor like you could just uh read them same with my store yeah. yeah we did not have the big clacking uh doors in my store that was more of a video store thing
0: And there are two really dirty jokes back to back. There's Ralph walking into the porno area of the store and then Bart telling Milhouse to unstick the Supergirls.
1: Yes, that was very
3: gross. I couldn't believe that. It was shockingly graphic.
1: I can't believe... I feel like they must have told the censors, like, they're covered in chocolate. (laughs) They they spilled their
0: sodi pops on it. Yeah, You know the kids with their
1: sodies. (laughs) (laughs) In in thinking of those uh, R-rated comics, too, I want to say the only other comic shop I knew that didn't have those books was one that used to have those books, but then the guy became a hardcore christian and he's like i can't have any more japanese comics here uh, getting rid of all the comics that have even like pg-13 content in it and that store went out of business so (laughs) he needed the filth he was running out of money without the filth uh also there's a lot of poochie jokes this season by the way too there's so many references to poochie like that he's marking down the poochie merchandise you know we had poochie gets run over by a car uh, a season ago uh, in a halloween episode
0: i appreciate the poochie callbacks even though crusty said he will never appear again there's a signed contract it's
1: true so I guess that this could be out of print merchandise that they're trying yeah. to get rid of yeah and
3: I have to say we've we've been watching a lot of videos on our our internet show VCR party lately that have been we call them uh Beekman's because the show Beekman's <laughs> world is what I think of as the ultimate like Dutch angle like, It's been a hair-raising experiment, and then a wig comes down. You know, just like that forced wackiness of the 90s. Yeah, a lot of
0: uh, MTV-style editing.
3: Yes, and we recently watched—maybe you're familiar with with this one. Um, It was a post-serials promotional video about Sega games, like tips and tricks. And it was hosted by a Dan Cortez-style host with long hair. Uh, And basically, we just kept calling him Poochie the whole time because (laughs) it was just like— sunglasses and he has you know the Rastafarian hat and he's a surfer and it was just everything thrown together
1: you i know the man you're talking about now yes i i i recall seeing that video in my in my video game life yeah that guy is a poochie like there's so many he he calls
3: sonic like a radical blue dude and i'm like he's poochie
1: the rocking dog (laughs) and he's already and sonic is already a poochie anyway and they kept (laughs) giving him
0: poochier poochies as part of his (laughs) cast
1: uh they had to poochie it up each time i have more poochie each video game
0: Uh, I, I really like the idea this is a great scene I like the idea of putting comic book guy into Moe's bar because the comic book guy I know in my life Henry Gilbert he is a girl drink drinker and yes, the real yeah. comic book guys <laughs> of the world they like fruity drinks I
1: I am a fruity drink man I this I didn't know this uh, when I saw this it was before I had uh, started drinking and, and wasn't old enough to go into bars so only after when I started going to bars and feeling uncomfortable in some bars ordering something that wasn't beer i thought back to the scene many times of like oh i guess i can't i can't order a uh, raspberry schnapps or whatever like a wuss <laughs> but but i like the girl i am a girl drink drunk i i miss being able to order a fruity drink in, in a restaurant these days
3: It's like when Weird Al is dejected in UHF and goes into the dive bar and says, Banana Daiquiri. (laughs) And they hand him a banana Daiquiri. I mean,
0: this this COVID has made me miss Tiki Bars a lot. Oh, yeah. That's the girl drinks I go in for.
1: Those are fun. Uh oh, man. And the the New Orleans style place near here, I miss uh, having like hurricanes in there. Those are so good. Well, and our friends on the podcast, Sloppy Boys, they, they talk about mixing their own drinks all the time. And it, it makes me very thirsty for <laughs> drinks. Uh, uh, mixed to drinks. As uh, they go into the bar, Sam the Barfly is murdered on screen. One of two characters shot this episode. <laughs> it's, it's insane. He would appear later, but Mo kills him at the start of this clip.
2: Get out and take your Sacagawea dollars with you. I'll give you till three. <laughs> One. Huh. Hey, Homer, who's the manatee? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, be nice, Mo. This guy just got out of the hospital. Oh, sorry. Uh, let me buy you a drink. Very well. <clears throat> I would have a shot of cranberry schnapps. <laughs> uh, these, uh, they're just painted on there. Your the choices are beer and uh, egg-soakings. I'll pass beer is the nectar of the nitwit. Hey, you knocking beer? Nobody badmouths duff. <laughs> ah, piece of crap. <laughs> Come on, you're here to make friends. <laughs> oh, please. If I wanted to hear mindless droning, I'd befriend an air conditioner. Oh, now he's ragging on air conditioners. Hey, they keep us cool in the summer, pal. Get him! <laughs> and stay out! Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a word in Klingon for loneliness? Oh, yes. gar
0: There's no word in Klingon for loneliness. I looked it up. Me too. I'm glad you... Uh, <laughs> they they just made this
1: up. They didn't even consult a Klingon dictionary. <laughs> but you're right.
0: I didn't hear it uh, until the audio was isolated, but when Mo fires at the bar fly, you hear his body hit the floor, as yes. in the famous <laughs> song, you know? Yeah.
3: <laughs> Oh, Uh, my favorite joke in this episode is Carl coming to the defense of air conditioners.
0: (laughs) That's great.
3: (laughs) Hey, they keep us cool in the summer. I mean, (laughs) for some reason, that really got me.
1: Uh, the, the cruelty of Mo of saying that he'll count to three and then shoots on one too it's just
0: just because he's using dollar coins he probably got from the post office yeah
1: that's uh, that <laughs> takes I, you back doesn't it Sacagawea dollars I've had
0: clerks refuse those back when I would get them at the post office really? and they're like we don't take those but it's money America yeah. says I can spend these here Wow,
1: man I, I, when I worked in the cashier world in Florida I rarely got paid in, in uh, coin dollars uh, in California i got it a little bit more probably if i worked at a place by a post office i'd get them all the time but in 1999 they launched the new dollar coin which you know i think they also wanted to try to normalize dollar coins and get rid and stop printing paper dollars but america just didn't want it you know i i prefer coin money i like I, one of my favorite things in japan is like oh this is a five dollar coin or a 500 yen coin that'd be kind of useful to just walk around with a five dollar coin instead of having to pull out a fiver all the time.
3: The problem with it is cause we, every summer before the pandemic, we, we uh, spent a month in Edinburgh, Scotland. Problem is you just get so much change. Your pockets get so <laughs> godly heavy. You know, it, it, after a couple weeks, you just have so many coins left over and they're just all just, you, you have to just, basically have your dresser is just covered in coins (laughs) and uh and so and it's kind of unwieldy to take anywhere to buy things with that happened
0: to me in japan uh by the end of my trip i had a lot of one yen coins left i just left them with my uh host that i was staying with and he was just like why did you do this (laughs) i didn't want any of these you can just Uh -uh. bend them they're so flimsy
1: Uh, They float on water. I've been told. I've uh, no, and I've uh, one of my times leaving Japan. I counted. I was like, I have seven dollars in coins. I can't change these out, so I went to a convenience store and bought something. And then very apologetically, (laughs) like, okay, seven hundred yen. I was like, sorry, I have this many. I just (laughs) shove a bunch of coins at them, and they. I recall the cashier just laughing and having to count out (laughs) so many coins, but. But also the Sacagawea dollars became a thing because you know uh people some people were didn't like it is so PC is uh what happened to what happened to presidents on coins you know and and Sacagawea is a funny word it's a comedy word I mean it's a it's a real person's name uh but if you're a comedy writer in the late 90s that's a funny word mm-hmm. just Sacagawea So uh and those coins got uh they started in the 99 they got Discontinued in 2008. Uh, though I don't see dollar coins all that much, but yearly they have been updating them as the Native American coins. And so every year, a uh, different Native American figure is on those coins. But I can't tell you the last time I saw a dollar coin.
0: And we honor them by never circulating the coins. Yes.
1: yeah, <laughs> By refusing to to even handle their cash. Oh God, and the sound of him being tossed out like a beached whale and his just like body is slippery <laughs> somehow. And the sound effect of it like oh <laughs> <laughs> i like that homer tries to befriend him because they're like well to, we both have heart disease so let's let's uh work to, <laughs> we the, should uh, both drink
0: together as yes. we both have heart disease so here yeah. it's good for that
1: <laughs> the scene of moe's tavern violence comes right after homer the uh the brain crayon episode which uh, it's like, uh, it's it's kind of close up together here. Uh, but yes, we cut back to the store. Millhouse is feeling, you know, lesser than. He's trying to show off for Lisa. And that leads to a poor business action.
4: Tough break, toots. I need a man who answers to no one. A full manager.
5: Machi.
4: <laughs> I can help you, sir. And I answer to no one.
2: Hmm? (laughs) Well, then, you'll want to stock up on our new superhero.
4: Would you say he's the ultimate superhero?
2: Oh, very ultimate, indeed. Point your peepers at (gasps) Oh,
4: A superhero with glasses!
2: Oh, yeah, thick glasses. Kind of like yours. So, how many you need? 500? 600? 600 sounds good. Oh, that's too bad. There's a price break at 1,000. Oh, man.
1: Take two thousand. Uh I w- they don't mention it on the commentary. I wish Al Jean had mentioned that <laughs> Milhouse says Jay Sherman the critic's catchphrase of Hachimachi. That that gave me the, the I think my biggest laugh in two thousand one.
0: I think so. For me too as well.
3: <laughs> I didn't recognize that that was his catchphrase. Okay, now it makes more sense.
1: <laughs> it it makes Milhouse even lamer that in his dream he says the catchphrase of a completely forgotten character of Jay Sherman. <laughs> yes.
0: And I always like a joke uh, when a character's having a fantasy or having a flashback like what's happening in reality and I love uh, Milhouse referencing something he only saw in his fantasy and Lisa being confused.
1: Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> oh, his weird, what a weird fantasy he has too. Of like that Lisa is a femme fatale and he's uh, a detective movie guy. And she
0: calls him toots?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I guess you know there's a lot for uh, a therapist could deconstruct of Milhouse's fantasy here.
0: <laughs> so this guy from plan nine comics he is a lens crafters uh plant right
1: totally yeah plan nine is a lie he works for lens crafters and i (laughs) i believe he's one of the power sauce execs as well it just Mm. it was a real exec era on the show the ponytail right yes yeah
3: i worked at a blockbuster and was some i was made a manager even though i didn't want to be i didn't want any more responsibility (laughs) but um i was put in charge as the manager of like ordering you know, what new, what releases we were going to get every, uh, every week. And so I'd go into the catalog and I'd be like, Oh, you know what I'm going to do? Cause it was, this was in a college town. I'm like, I'm going to get a bunch of Jim Jarmusch movies, like stranger than paradise and, and down by law. And, and I'm like, that, I think like people start, you know, this doesn't have to be the video store for dollars. We could start getting interesting movies in here now and they never got rented. Oh. It was, it was basically like having 2000,
1: you know, copies of <laughs> the <Buy glasses>. clubs. <laughs> Yeah, bike clubs. Yeah. Oh man, I, I'm i jealous that I've, uh, I think we've talked about this before. I was a, a blockbuster employee too, but our place was such a corporate one that it was just the videos showed up that day and it's like uh, you know once a week and it's like well it's the shipment of videos this is how many we have like it i couldn't i couldn't have specialty ordered uh my manager wouldn't have either but also i was i was the only i was never a comic book guy i was a video store guy i was one of the (laughs) guys respected yes yeah i the the film i think it was i watched clerks at a young age and i was like i want to be that type of guy who yells at people to rent a video and say that they're <laughs> not good enough,
3: and both places have a lot of loiterers. Uh, videos oh yeah, too, we did at our blockbuster.
1: Totally, yeah, we've so people you know people need places to be it's uh Mm -hmm. people are lonely in this world (laughs) but we also had a lot of shoplifting at that one but often i would just tell myself like who cares this play like steal for blockbuster this is a this (laughs) it's owned by a giant company they're not going to miss it uh but i i love that millhouse is so susceptible to all upsell tactics and that he also doesn't realize that they the guy's like oh hey (laughs) kind (laughs) of like yours and also that not only is bike collapse like a comic book about a guy with glasses it's also that he's a loser like he says that's for making me cry but as he's punching a guy he's on the beating cover. up a football
0: team <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i had a,
3: a friend of mine last year gave me a comic book it was like a mini comic book called combo man oh i know actual, it. i
1: know it you yeah. know combo man yes yeah it's,
3: uh, yeah combos the you know pretzel based snack uh tie-in and Marvel actually put this out as a as a promotional thing, I guess.
1: Uh, that's right. I believe Combo Man is all superhero. It's like he's he's tiny parts of a bunch of different Marvel superheroes.
3: Yeah, it lo- it looks like it. Like he's got all the. And then there's copious uh, combos advertising in the mini comic as well.
1: Oh man, I I did you know I remember the ads for that one, but I never got that one. The one I got was Charleston Chew. It was like <laughs> S-
0: Charleston Chew. Send
1: in two rappers of Charleston Chew, and you can uh, get uh, an, a Spider-Man comic book. And and boy did I! It was Spider-Man on one side, Wolverine on the other side and uh though i didn't charleston chew is a garbage candy bar like it's just the children
0: are right to not like it yes
1: yeah <laughs> uh i think i think i just was like mom you can take these to work i don't it just buy me the two candy bars and bring back the wrappers i don't want them <laughs> then we definitely get a thing of the era in the next scene which is grandma's having sex comedy of the late 90s mm-hmm. it was
0: she's a funky grandma she's gonna haul ass to Lollapalooza. Uh,
1: yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, I mean, also, it's just the gross-out comedy days. They get get so much out of how disgusting it would be that either of these characters would have sex, let alone have sex with one another.
0: We are in the gross-out movie craze. I mean, I think Freddy Got Fingered comes out in a few months after this episode goes live. So, I mean, that is the peak of gross-out movies of the late 90s, early 2000s.
1: And all the jackass uh, things as well. Like, yeah, there's the, the American Pie movies. All of the co- the movies that the cover would have, like, a hot girl, a guy making a weird face, and then a dog. Like, all those all of those same movies. Uh, but, yes, it's a real meat cute in this next clip.
2: Human contact. The final frontier.
4: <sighs> Out of the way, tubby.
2: Oh, pardon me, oldie horn.
4: ha <laughs> ha why you ill-mannered sack of crap
2: oh goody now i know whatever happened to baby jane huh. you are the rudest man who ever bought me dinner correction i do not believe i have ever bought you oh. <laughs> uh,
1: the smile on his face it's like you i in general this scene i feel i briefly feel pity for comic book guy when he reveals like Meeting new people is what actually terrifies him. And that's why he's such an asshole all the time. Like I've, I felt that feeling of uh, shaking hand on like on a door of like, do I have to meet new people? But, but then afterwards (laughs) I did not fall in love with an 80 year old woman. Not, not that. You actually, you actually
0: went in the door. Yes, You didn't meet an old lady in a hallway. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah. I think they also fall in love because both were, about to do something challenging for them that could have uh, needed personal growth. And instead they're like, Oh wait, we don't need to do this. We can both just be negative together. We don't have to grow as people.
3: Yeah. Let's retreat into our misanthropy. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, so then we cut to Millhouse failing to sell Biclop's comics. He even has to admit that the character is scared of girls uh, and they don't even smack good. good. Yeah. Love that line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, Bart just can't take it anymore. He wasted what seemingly was all of their profits on the books a comic book printed by lens crafters.
5: How
4: could you spend all our money on a comic book published by lens crafters? We'll never sell these. Birds won't even use them in their nests. <laughs> okay, so I made one bad decision. It's my fault for leaving you in charge. Sometimes I forget how young you are. I'm only three months younger than you. Oh, look, you're getting cranky. You haven't had your juice. Well, my straw broke off in the carton. That's not the point. We're supposed to be partners, and you're pushing me around like a play school corn popper. (laughs) It's a vacuum cleaner, Millhouse. Whatever! I demand respect! I have feelings! I'm a human boy! Just like you! Shh! Use your indoor voice. Okay, that's it! <sighs> <sighs> <sighs>
0: Well, I got to give it to Pamela Hayden for that uh, screaming Millhouse line. It's the most realistically played anger and sadness yeah. in Millhouse. It's great.
1: She did a really good job. She isn't often asked to do that with Millhouse, and uh, I also like the the taking off glasses to get in a fight and then realizing he is blind, and so he's <laughs> like, "Nope, better put it back on." Though <laughs> so, uh, I have to correct Bart's correction here. While in function, it may be a vacuum cleaner fisher price officially calls it a corn popper Mm. that's the name of the toy itself so maybe that has changed and that's only how it is now and they weren't on the box called a corn popper but if you go to the fisher price website now that toy is called a corn popper which i like those as a little kid but uh not at 10 not like (laughs) i i had put them that's more of a
0: nine-year-old's toy
1: (laughs) uh i mean i i also i will say i uh really identify with millhouse here because uh bob knows from experience and when we worked at some other place a uh, a boss treated me in condescending ways like this mm-hmm. that were like oh well, come on oh you it's a baby man i'm like you mother like it made me <laughs> that is one thing that makes me incredibly angry it was hard it was hard not to just be fully hating bart the rest of the episode after seeing how he treats millhouse in this way Bart was not hands-on enough. Yes, yeah. He's blaming the guy for like, you know... I guess Milhouse did make the decision without consulting Bart, but but bart left early he's leaving it all to millhouse to do it you know but yes it also i do love the cuts uh, like the the end being a big comic book uh, style page like the the artists do such a good job with that and then when they come back they have transformer toys for their fights and they're really well designed mm-hmm. to, to be actually look like toys that then turn into uh, an axe and a watering can
3: some great drawings i was actually thinking these would be good cells if they exist somewhere
1: Mm-hmm. Oh man, I I was looking for sell. I've been trolling around the sell market lately, and I I would buy almost any comic book I seen one if I could see it on there. But uh yeah, the their fight is really well done, and they bring back their uh, Star Trek inspired fight music like mm-hmm. da 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 da. And uh, they then crash through a She-Hulk poster, which is meant to look like the Rita Hayworth poster that hides the hole in Shawshank Redemption. Oh,
0: you're totally right. I totally forgot I about didn't that. Real-
1: I didn't realize that either. <laughs> Good call. And uh, yes, they then tumble down and discover secrets. Whoa!
4: Comic Book Guy's secret stash! Look at all these bootleg videos! Alien autopsy. Illegal alien autopsy. Godfather 3, good version. He's got the tape of Kent Brockman picking his nose. Look, he's picking his nose! (laughs)
5: Uh,
1: I think of that joke, too, whenever I find a video of like, oh, guys, have you ever seen the one where this guy falls down? Look, he's falling down! Look at (laughs) it! (laughs) Uh. News bloopers
3: are some of the greatest found footage, though, and I think a lot of times we've met editors who are, you know, they, the job's kind of miserable. You don't get to be creative. You're an editor on a nightly newscast a lot of times, but you keep a private like, tape, a private <laughs> reel of all the bloopers, and you either show them at the Christmas party or just use it as your arrange and give it to us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: or blackmail. Oh, God.
3: Yes. There's a famous one, uh, tape-traded version of, of news bloopers called The Tapes of Wrath, which um a bunch of editors from Washington DC put together and it was actually shown at the White House correspondence dinner so the president <laughs> actually saw news bloopers in i a, yeah. a, 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 some sometime during the reagan administration
1: oh that's amazing the yeah there's there's something about news bloopers because the the people on it are so you know sculpted and precise and they're like i i live to be a news anchor that anytime they you know fuck up or a, a, they say a stupid thing or they they constantly they can't stop laughing or or they embarrass themselves by saying something like horribly insulting to a coworker and you can those are some of my favorites when especially often it would be a male uh, host saying something that deeply offends the female host and she's like what well, what and the guy has to then try to talk his way out of it like oh no no i i meant like those are some of my favorites
3: yeah they have to have this um gravitas so when that veneer goes away it's so satisfying and yeah news bloopers are some of my favorite that's my one of my favorite genres of found footage
1: are the news bloopers that reveal the hierarchy of like this guy thinks he's above the weather guy and the weather guy's kind of sick of it like <laughs>
3: That's the thing. There's always ego involved. Like in England, they, they literally call them news readers because that's what you're doing. You're not, you know, there to be a personality or be, or have fame. You're there to deliver the news, but America, it works differently.
0: You're not even casting the news. Someone else is doing it for you. You're not a newscaster.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, those guys aren't journal. I. It's something that bugs me, uh, especially during the Trump administration. There were some people who appear on twenty four hour cable news that are not journalists. They are people who read teleprompters, but they they take on the veneer of like, oh, and I'm I'm the strong journalist who's who's l- learning all about this evil new administration but it's like you haven't done journalism if in 20 years if you ever did it this this collection of tapes we we talked about before it's uh it's it's eerily similar to your guys's collection Mm -hmm. seeing uh in the background in old vcr party lives
3: we do have uh alien autopsy too that was a, a special you know that aired and um Supposedly was undebunked for a while and then, of course, got debunked. But it was, you know, one of those Fox specials that was promoted and, um, and was released on VHS.
0: Yeah. We talked about it in the 138th episode spectacular podcast we did because, uh, Troy McClure mentions he was the host of Alien Nose Job. Right. And we played the <laughs> clip. It's Jonathan Frakes giving a disclaimer. And basically, the disclaimer is like, we're not sure if this is real but if it was real wow
1: <laughs> who's to say incredible we leave it up to you to decide i <laughs> i bet that's why he then did the those other believe it or not specials after They're like well you did alien <laughs> autopsy you know open.
0: god god bless whoever made those compilations of him from that oh. episode from that show because i laugh every time it's funny nope, every not this every time time <laughs> yep <laughs> no way we got you not a chance not this time it never happened it never happened
1: we made this one up fiction we made up this one we made it up not this time wrong not this time not this time you're wrong not this time it never happened uh
3: (laughs) yeah and there were things that people would notice too like um tape traded videos like somebody just put together all the freeze frame endings from the show chips (laughs) and that made its way around and sometimes you'd find that at the you know at at the back of comic book stores too they would have a, a bootleg version of that oh
1: good oh man Uh, well also they mentioned harry shearer's collection of tapes too in there and that reminded me that you know he's one of few people who have can claim they've watched the day the clown cried like one of the most prized lost films of all time
0: isn't there a countdown as to when that will be available i know he
1: said it would be released posthumously but i don't know if there's an actual year counter Mm. on it it's someday we're gonna get it but but not yet yeah
3: there was a story about how long after his death that it could be released so yeah i don't know when it is but i feel like it's coming up somewhere um oh i'm reading it now june 2024 so we're not that far off
0: in our lifetimes we will see it it'll be really boring and not worth it at all but we got to see it
3: got to see it
1: no i i i'm i yeah i hope it can live up to the the hype the now, of course, that joke, illegal, illegal alien autopsy, that's very dark. Much darker than it read to me the first time. And the Godfather 3 thing, that's more of a critic kind of joke, you know? It's uh, it's okay, but the, he's picking his nose. I just love that so much. Uh, then then in the next scene, uh, Skinner meets comic book guy.
4: I'll be right down. I'm just putting on my witch hazel. Ow, oh, ow, oh, ow. Oh.
2: So, uh, your mother tells me you go to Springfield Elementary. Exactly what is your interest in my mother? She makes me laugh.
4: Here I come!
2: (laughs) (gasps) Good Lord, Mother, I can see your... figure.
4: Oh, you see a lot more when you do my daily mole check.
2: What I do for my allowance money is nobody's business.
4: He's not nobody's. He might
2: even be your new daddy.
1: <laughs> oh God the the sandpaper sound of her sliding down that banister is is
0: haunting. She is dressed like a twenties a flapper, yes. making her one hundred and ten years old.
1: Oh God, the just the the joke that that's the sound makes when her butt goes down the or her uh her seat goes down the banister uh, the implications of that are horrifying like it's yeah and also skinner's gonna later lose edna to comic book guy so they they do a lot of comic book guy and skinner stuff uh but that that daily mole check also is very horrifying thought. Like but I like in comic book guy identifying skinners like, so you go to Springfield Elementary, right? <laughs> <laughs> Trying
3: to find common ground here.
1: Yeah. But uh yeah, the I also, uh, you know, a lot of guys uh, is, is wear a blazer with a t shirt. Are you telling me that's not good mm. fashion? Now I that's that's the height of fashion for me. They then cut back to the boys watching some uh, things that including police confessional tapes. How how many of those have fallen into your laps uh, in at found footage festivals?
3: I will say we haven't found any confessional tapes, but we were at a place called the Bins in Portland, Oregon, which is a Goodwill. Outlet basically, and and they call it the bins because they just wheel out unsorted garbage <laughs> um, that's been donated before they've had a chance to like put it into categories, and these vultures just hound over the bins waiting for them to the new one to get wheeled out, and so we went to experience this, and and luckily no one was looking for VHS tapes, but we found about a dozen tapes all labeled courtroom evidence, oh. and uh, we picked them up. They're pretty boring, but definitely oh. should not have been for sale at a thrift no. store.
0: Wow, and this thing with Ned, it does feel like uh, they're making fun of themselves in a way where this would be a really bad Homer B plot, where Homer has a radioactive ape. <laughs> yes, yeah,
1: yeah, you're right. It's a little, it's it's a little monkey cheese for the show, but that is them saying like Ned. It at first it's more about just Ned is sick of a B plot. It's like a bad B plot yeah. happened in another episode, and Ned's pissed about it. And
3: yeah, I kind of wish we didn't actually see the ape at the end. You know. No, yeah. Then it gets into fully on, full on like Wackyville. But... It's, a,
0: it's a bizarre ending, and I don't yeah. know if there's a deleted scene that explains this. But for some reason, Bart is just eating Cheetos. There's not a joke about it. Mm, it's just the delightful snack for him.
1: Yeah, there's there's not a it's there's only one deleted scene on the DVD. So I I guess you know in other shots bart is sitting in comic book guy's stool and uh drinking a soda so i think it maybe they're also just saying bart is becoming comic book guy mm. like he's in mm. danger of it
3: it could have just as easily been Chippos, though you know like yeah. it wouldn't have to be cheetos
0: i think by the year 2001 cheetos was the designated snack for filthy nerds i mean in toy <laughs> story 2 If you think of the scene with Al when they're creeping across his body, his fingers are covered in the cheese dust and he's got the bowl on his stomach when he's asleep.
1: Yeah, yeah, Cheetos Cheetos had already gotten that moniker. But yes, the boys are enjoying some other classic clips and come to a realization.
5: Police informant
4: tape? These are never supposed to leave the station.
2: I really hate to be a snitch. Don't worry. Your yellow-bellied ratting will be held in the strictest confidence. Well, in that case... My neighbor Homer released a radioactive ape in my house. It's, uh, it's taking over the whole top floor. It
4: wasn't Dad's fault. The ape tricked him. What's next? Mr. Rogers Drunk. Well, what do you mean I can't take off my sweater? I'm hot! (laughs) You know, I'll bet kids would pay to see this stuff. We could have a midnight screening right here in the store. (gasps) That's actually a great idea, Milhouse. Really? Well, I was due. I'll say, <laughs>
5: partner.
0: And apparently, Al Jean ran into the the widow of Mr. Rogers at some event, and she kind of gently ribbed him about this. Although mm-hmm. they had done him on the show previously with uh, when Homer's being chased by all the PBS people.
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah.
0: And he was being violent, but not drunk in that scene. So
1: yeah, apparently.
3: He had somewhat of a sense of humor about that, Mr. Rogers. I, I, you would think, but I don't know. I they didn't really cover whether he like. Like I remember the SCTV sketch where it was like Battle of the uh, PBS Stars, where oh, yeah. he was he was boxing Julia Child or something. Um, oh yeah.
1: I i do recall in the documentary, very popular documentary from a few years ago, it did show that he at least that he liked the um Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. Yeah. The that right. he he liked that one. I he was definitely aware of it. But but also it is I mean, I can see why he would understand he get mocked a lot because he is he was just such pure earnestness that it's the easiest thing in the world to make fun of yeah. Like, what if the most innocent man on television was secretly dirty i mean
0: it's the easiest joke that writes itself like what if thing but opposite of thing
3: yes yeah <laughs> the The famous drunken um, outtake is uh, Orson Welles doing the Paul Masson wine. Yeah, uh, have you seen that one?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh.
0: The, the, the French. French. There was like a recent oral history of that or something. I forget where I read it, but it turns out that he wasn't. He wasn't drunk. He was just extremely jet lagged and uh, oh, okay. tired. I have to <laughs> assume there was a little bit of wine in his system, though. I
1: I find I th- that. Hard I to think, believe. think so. Yeah. yeah. I,
3: I I read that too. The uh, it was like the the camera guy, he talked about how he got the part, how he agreed to do it. He was doing other ads at the time and then came in and yeah, I think probably overtired, probably a little bit inebriated.
1: I I mean, too, like Orson Welles already did the frozen peas commercial, which is one of the most mm-hmm. famous tapes ever. Like, yeah, it's that to think of a time when that was just a thing I'd hear described when I couldn't just pull it up on YouTube and watch it. Same, same with a Casey Kasem dead dog uh outtake. Like, yeah. Uh, to, to me, it kind of loses something when it's on YouTube
3: because the whole fun of it for, for us was like having this communal aspect to it, you know, mm. gathering around in a dark room or, you know, I guess with our shows, a movie theater and being able to sort of collectively talk about this and, and laugh about it. And when it's something somebody shows you on your phone at a party or, you know, or you watch by yourself on a YouTube link, you just you kind of watch it and forget about it
1: yeah it's it it it, lo- it loses some of the pomp and circumstance of it and the specialness i though the the uh, the great great comedy show i think you should leave they had this awesome sketch about you know being in an office and you know you're in the meeting room and then one your boss leaves and you're like okay let's pull up videos on youtube like who's <laughs> got a funny video like that 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 is the version of it to me that i'm most familiar with and and also you never If you think you found a good one and everybody's just like meh, it's like there's less. (laughs) uh, There's hardly a worse feeling in the world for me, or even worse if they're like, I've seen that a forever ago. Old (laughs) blip, it hurts. Yeah, and
3: I think I think context is important too, and that's one thing that we try to do is like you have to be in the right frame of mind. You have to set it up a little bit, and then you know people are framing it in the right way. So maybe sometimes the conference room. Uh, isn't the right place to watch it.
1: Yeah. Also, Bard and Millas—they kind of, with four minutes left in the episode uh resolve their plot points like early they're just like no we are friends again shake hands that's the end <laughs> i guess uh, it does
0: resolve that uh that issue they have yeah. that, their schism <laughs>
1: so then we go to the squid port which i forgot how much they went to this season like they they go to the squid port a lot i i wonder if scully's like you know what we invented that squid port in season nine let's let's just keep heading to it it's uh,
0: the joke is just like all the meat is just coming from a giant tub underground yeah. <laughs> regardless of what uh what kind of food you're getting
3: And Homer says something like, I'm at the whims of the food court something like that
1: yeah the, mercy, yeah the mercy of the food court the I mercy think, yeah. yes i i also think these jokes are a little bit hollywood comedy writers complaining about restaurants their wives make them go to in hollywood yeah. i think it's a little i think it's a little of that a, I, a lot
0: a lot of cheesy uh a lot of cheesy uh, restaurant names uh, i like e- iraqi cheeses that's is funny. one of the ones in the that's background funny.
1: uh but all the meat comes from the same place uh, like it's just all purpose meat that's a funny that's a funny box
3: yeah, it's like the the three different kinds of duff
1: mm-hmm. ah, <laughs> uh, damn, you're right. It's just the same joke, man. they're just uh... but it's about
0: meat, so it's funnier. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh, and then we get into Harold and Maud territory, which they don't say it on the commentary. But I do wonder if this hit the same problem they had on the critic when they did Harold and Mar Maud, which is they wanted to use the. Yusuf Islam, Cat Stevens songs, uh, but he doesn't license it. And mm. so they end up with a music scene. They're like, well, crap, we can't use the song from Harold Maude." Uh, all right, let's put in something else then.
0: Yeah, when I sat down to watch this, I was like, oh yeah, the Harold Maude parody. But then I watched it and I said, oh, all the parody is is just the premise. And comic book guy is not a young boy No, no. either. So,
3: <laughs> Yeah, or like enacting suicide or anything like that. So comparisons end there.
1: Mm-hmm. But I, I do like the uh, using the heart like awful song "Puppy Love" over it for these two horrible like malcontents who are just hideous. Uh, you know, now you don't see as many visual references to the film Manhattan these days. But uh, oh, right, that but is you, a reference. You saw them a lot back then, mm-hmm. and uh, I also like them saying we finish each other's insults. But uh, one note I have is I couldn't believe it was. An uh, just a random child who was the sailboat kid. Like, why Mm. wasn't it one of the recognizable? Yeah, Martin. Martin. He's still a fat camp, I guess.
0: And uh, a real Chandler line. Could it be any more orange? Uh, That's right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and of course, we
0: all know uh, that uh, Hank Azaria is friends with uh, Matthew uh, Perry.
1: That's right. Yeah, he's uh, he he mentioned before that he wished he had been on Friends and co-starred with him, but he never made it. He for him, uh, for a time, for Hank Azaria, The Simpsons was a lesser gig for him than than being on just like any old sitcom. Like, and who remembers Mad About You now? Like mm. nobody.
0: Oh, buddy. Well, there was that reboot season.
1: And no person watched that. That's right. Yes, there was a new <laughs> season of it. Not one person watched it. It was on
0: Apple Plus Plus. <laughs> it was on something that nobody got, I right? I think it was Spectrum Plus. Spectrum, like, I right. it was the
1: Spectrum cable network.
3: There was even a joke in Seinfeld, while Mad About You was still airing, about how, like, I guess, I, I guess unremarkable that sitcom was, where George finally gets the woman back he wants to marry, and then it ends with, him in bed and you hear that boom doom yes. Broom, doom and you hear <laughs> and he just looks miserable. That's he's like, right. Oh God, what did I work for?
1: It, that's right. It 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 was the it was the Grey's anatomy of its day of like the show that you have to watch as a couple and you're you hate watching it. Yes but yeah they they're closer than ever then we head to even called forbidden film festival so not not too different of a name from a found footage festival
3: hey they got the fff alliteration
1: but you guys you guys weren't starting yet in in 2001 right
3: no we started i mean we were collecting videos and doing these shows for friends but 2004 Mm. uh april 2004 was our first show for the public
1: but Bart and Millhouse need to get a little better in their showmanship. You guys, uh, we, me and Bob, have seen you guys live. You, you do a much better job at presenting these. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I, I think of myself as the Millhouse to uh, Joe's Bart in many ways. Though,
1: <laughs> I mean, Millhouse also loves Althpogs, so
3: it, it's true. Yeah, I see a lot of myself in Millhouse,
1: actually. Uh, all, we all do. We. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I think this is also the last time you could do jokes about a VHS tape as uh, just a thing the yeah. kids would know in the year 2001.
3: Very true. Yeah, now we do a lot of shows for colleges, and we we have to explain at the beginning and actually hold up a tape. <laughs> and it, 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 it kind of feels like if somebody was doing an eight-track show when I was in high school or something, you know, mm. like – it, you kind of recognize it, but you've never actually had physical contact with one of these things.
1: I know it is a joke on a show, sure, but I've never touched one.
0: I looked it up, right. and, and the last uh, major commercial VHS release was five years later after this episode. Uh, okay. According to this article, uh, the movie A History of Violence ah. was the last major VHS release.
3: Yeah, I've heard that too. Weird one to be like the, the final, you know, gasp of a, of yes. a format but uh yeah now of course there's a resurgence with people putting things on vhs especially in the horror community people Mm. there'll be a new movie and they'll put it on vhs
1: one and one of my favorite comedy things right now is the character of greg turkington (laughs) on the on cinema uh, videos who is a collector of vhs's and espouses that they are the best way to watch film
3: yeah it's crazy to me, even like we're, we're friends with a lot of other people who are in this community, and we're kind of like, the format sucks, really. I mean you have <laughs> to it's it's clunky, they break, they get caught in your VCR. But like anything, you have a nostalgia for you know, your entree into watching weird, forbidden films.
0: I'm I'm really happy and surprised to see that DVD is hanging in there nearly 25 years into its mm. lifespan, because I bought, uh, frankly, too many DVDs, I learned a lesson, then I bought about uh, 5% of those on Blu-ray, and now that there's 4K DVDs, sorry, 4K Blu-rays, I have not bought one. Mm. I've, I, it took three generations, but I learned my lesson. <laughs> uh, I'll here. just stream it. I will only stream it. It's fine.
1: But I want to see the moles on Robert De Niro's face in my <laughs> casino 4K thing that oh. I did I did buy that. You actually. better see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh that was my mole check on him really <laughs> mole check <laughs> yeah, so yes they've warned that uh they cannot stop this tape because the play button is broken uh i guess you know nick i'll ask too have you guys ever played a tape where the reaction was so strong in the room you're like we have to stop this we can't we won't put you guys through this anymore
3: absolutely um usually it comes from like we had a uh a video we found uh, it that was for, it's called wound rounds live. Oh. And it was,
5: <laughs>
3: yeah. It was a wound remember. doctors by wound doctors. And, um, but they tried to get cute and funny with it by showing like they had a wheel of huh. wounds to find out what wound they were going to talk about. And they're like diabetic foot ulcer. Let's talk about that. And, and, but it was just so gory that we had to find where that line was to cut away from it. So we still showed it, but we, were judicious in how he edited that one.
1: I I had to look away during that <laughs> section of your show. I had to, that was uh, I think that was the too far moment for me. Even the 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 live birth was also quite a way to start the the, the filmed live birth was also quite a way to start. <laughs> we all got learn sometime. Yeah, part it,
3: of a part of a police training video that live birth. What so, an insane!
1: You know. This woman had her birth on camera, gave birth on camera for cops <laughs> like to make for yeah. a cop video. It's insanity.
3: Yes, uh, and our friend of ours tracked down that baby who was born in that um wow. and did a little mini documentary
1: on him wow man well it's crazy in, in this case they discover a video that is also a snuff film because another man is killed huh. um but uh, it identifies that Springfield's not going to do too well in World War III.
4: I must warn you that once this next tape starts it will not stop because that button is broken let's watch
2: If you are watching this tape, you are the President of the United States. Hello, sir, or ma'am. Hopefully, sir.
4: Got that right? Yes!
2: The town of Springfield has been classified NWB or nuclear whipping boy. In the first moments of a nuclear war, Springfield will be bombed at will by all friendly nations to calibrate their missiles. (laughs) Now for total security, I will terminate the cameraman. Thanks a lot, Steve. (laughs) 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 All right, this is a raid. Well, well, well. This place has got more pirated tapes than, uh... Uh, Chinese Kmart. Well, that'll have to do. Uh, (laughs) these yours, son?
4: (laughs) No, sir. We're just exhibiting them for profit without permission.
2: Fair enough. But the owner is in more hot water than... A japanese teabag why don't you lay off the asians (laughs) Uh,
0: i like any joke about about pitching jokes yes uh, uh, and at this point in the episode i think when i first saw it i thought i mean there's only like a minute left in the show i thought oh no Bart and milhouse need to tell everybody about this or that that's where the plot was going to go did they stop caring about it immediately but i like the nuclear whipping boy uh, uh project for springfield
1: I also mm-hmm. love how all the children cheer at the idea not only that they will be nuked into oblivion instantly, but also like they cheer the man being shot, the cameraman being killed on screen. <laughs> the kids like, yay! Like that's that's also pretty screwed up.
3: Yeah. See these these tape trading like I guess what do you call them? Tape trading. Let me think of how I want to say this. Okay. Yeah, these uh, tape trading purveyors, the, you know, the guys in charge, they, they wield a lot of responsibility in how they present it. And uh, you, you can see how it could be misconstrued here
1: yeah yeah they think that they think they're gonna have to show snuff films to people like well so that i you know this is why the cops should raid it it's like oh this is messed up to be showing this to children you know
0: it's a busy night for uh Wiggum, eddie and lou they've got to go to comic book guy's house right after this right? yeah
1: yeah uh, this is most effective they've ever been i i also do love the joke that the other kids think that the other posters are escape uh, holes yeah. and they just bounce off the wall <laughs> yes uh, that's a good joke, uh, but you know, wiggum it's easy to criticize jokes. Why don't you come up with a pitch then? If you're going to just tell him, lay off the Asians. Uh, I
3: wonder how many times in the pitch room though, you'd be like, "That'll have to do." You know, yeah. we'll come up with a better joke later.
1: Oh, wiggum's just going, "That'll oh, have to do." Like he's <laughs> he say he wants a better joke. Uh, and then we cut to, thankfully. You know, on Futurama, they wouldn't be wearing robes for a scene like this. It's that's just true.
0: the nude skin of, say, Farnsworth
1: and Mom on the show. And I
0: think this is where the Cat Stevens song would have went, not Bread's Baby I'm going to Want You.
1: Yes, yeah, that's a deeper cut uh, that Bread... I mean it's a that it's a fine 70s makeout song I suppose which I guess puts you gives you an age range for comic book guy though though the fact that he even have makeout music it like no way this is this is the first woman he's ever kissed mm. in his life I I have to assume he lost his virginity to Agnes seemed like it the way she grabs his face like it's like a giant beach ball and kisses <laughs> the center of it is is also very <laughs> well done but but horrifying you know
0: they could have went much grosser
1: Oh yes yeah it's well i mean the angle it is also assumed that when they come into the room they are seeing up his robe yeah yeah yes they're they're seeing quite some there though you know wiggum you're you're no prize pig yourself buddy (laughs) you don't i just i love the animation the way he throws his hands up like whoa whoa like it's it's just a funny drawing (laughs) uh but yes comic book guy is in trouble in our final clip
2: (laughs) Dear God! Cover your eyes, boys! It's okay, man. If it doesn't affect you. You're not human. Uh, comic book guy, you're under arrest for the possession of illegal videos. But we'll reduce the sentence if you put your pants on. Fast! God! Come on, Romeo. <laughs> they can't lock me up for long, Agnes. Will you wait for me? Are you crazy? My bones are half dust.
4: Well, we may not have the store, but at least we're friends again. Yep. And we haven't been to school in days and days and days. Oh, well. Looks like everything's back to normal.
2: Look, if you want me to turn, just point. That's. Ow! It's, it's, it's one way! Away. Ow! Now, what was that for? Ow!
0: It's a weird ending.
1: Uh, Scully even admits like, boy, when did that come in? That was kinda <laughs> late. Like he's I think he regrets it.
0: <laughs> I think maybe ending on we haven't been to school in days and days would have been a nice little sweet line to go out yeah. on. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: But they might do that a little too much for they kind of acknowledge like, the fact that they don't play by the rules they're supposed to like Homer not having a job. And, but you know, it's, I think it's funny when it's, you know, the ending, the just the very end.
1: Yeah. It also, although it is all, it, it ties it up too quickly of like, how does comic book guy get out of jail? How does he ever reopen his store after all of this? Right. The, those are questions for another day. So, do you think Agnes's bones are normally all dust, or is her saying that her bones are half dust is is a result of sexual intercourse with mm. comic book guy?
3: Oh, I didn't read it that way. I thought yeah. just she was so old.
1: Then let's keep it that yeah. way. Not yeah. think that, okay. that her bones got turned into half dust through the physical action it's, of, of love. It's
0: a PSA about osteoporosis. We all need to worry about it as we <laughs> age.
1: Talk to your doctor about it. Yeah. The uh, also the. The funny thing with Larry Doyle is at the end he says, you know, I'm actually writing a book that has a uh, talking radioactive ape as one of the main characters. And, and that book came out in June 2010. Go mutants.
0: And apparently it's soon to be a movie. Really? Yes.
1: Oh, okay. oh wow. Man, good. good for him, man. That guy can sell. He can sell movies, that guy. He's uh, man. We're the... still talking
0: about <laughs> Duplex. Oh, <No>, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and I think he got started as like co-writer of Pogo for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Crazy uh but yeah that uh Bart and millhouse are still friends at the end that's that's a sweet enough ending you don't need a green monkey slapping him and nah. also it's not too different from him befriending the uh, the gremlin either in that uh treehouse of horror but this is
0: canon that was a fantasy that's true this monkey exists
1: <laughs> i guess that makes it worse really <laughs> <laughs> i suppose comic book guy only did like a month or so for uh, since he put pants on i guess at least i hope they let him put pants on it's gonna be a tough night in in jail if he's only wearing that robe <laughs> <laughs> a fun episode that uh, has a real wacky ending out of nowhere, but I like comic book hijinks and especially like the similarities to Bound Footage Festival is is just so fun to explore that uh, I, I I really like coming back to this episode.
3: Yeah, it was truly strange to see this and the parallels <laughs> and I'm so so glad you had me on for it because I don't know that I would have gone back to a, a, a mid-season 12 episode, but mm. uh, yeah, it was it was good. It spoke to me.
0: Yeah, I liked it too. One thing I noticed upon uh, doing all these notes is like, there, for a season 12 episode, there's a surprising lack of Homer, which is why I think he came back from one scene with Marge in Act 3, otherwise he would not be in the show oh, yeah. after the first act but <laughs> yeah it's it's very funny and uh, I like them exploring more of these characters again they will do a lot more with comic book guy in the future we'll learn about his struggles with parenthood soon oh, so yeah. <laughs> look forward to that in uh, 2050 when we covered the dad feelings limited
1: uh, boy. you know it's uh, for
0: the episode called worst
1: episode ever this is in the same season of, as tennis the menace so no 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 this is not the worst episode ever
3: <laughs> they kind of couched it they made themselves critic proof basically by calling it worst episode ever
1: yeah, that protected him that evening on the no homers
0: message board but it won't always <laughs> <laughs> but yes nick Pruer, thanks for coming back to the show please tell us all about found footage festival and where we can find you online and support you
3: found dot uh we have a youtube channel where we do i think four shows a week now including my alf rewatch show that's been nice. a nice endeavor and madness really has uh but um yeah and we're gonna get back out on the road in the fall in a limited way and doing some outdoor stuff so trying to uh get back to touring eventually here nice
1: as well. man we we got to see you guys right before all touring shut down and i i'm so happy to hear mm-hmm. that uh it's it's starting to open back up for you guys
3: yeah i think like You know, our show plays best in small, cramped theaters, and that's probably the last place you want to be during uh, when there's a (laughs) uh, pandemic. But uh, I think slowly we'll get back there.
0: But thank you so much, mm-hmm. Nick. We, we can't wait to see it again.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: So, thanks again to Nick Pruer for being on the show. Ask for us if you want to support us and what we do and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and at free. Please go to patreoncom talking simpsons. Sign up there. You'll get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That includes over a 100 miniseries episodes. Our most recent miniseries was Talking of the Hill Season 2, Part 1. That was 11 new episodes of our Talking of the Hill, King of the Hill retrospective, only on the Patreon, only behind the $5 paywall and there will be another miniseries coming up in the fall of 2021 only for patrons and there is a $10 level as well at patreon.com talking simpsons you sign up for that you get all the $5 stuff but also access to one mega long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher and what is that henry
1: that is the what a cartoon movie podcast you may know that we have a sister podcast we release twice a month and that is what a cartoon and we also do what a cartoon movie all of them go deep into the history of animated series just like we do with the simpsons with what a cartoon movie often for over four hours we talk about animated feature films super in depth we've covered films recently like shrek Cool World, Hercules, the Disney 1997 film. This month we're going to be doing Hunchback of Notre Dame, the other Disney, another Disney film. It's Disney Renaissance summer for our What a Cartoon Movie. You sign up at the ten dollar level at Patreon.com/slash Talking Simpsons. You can hear those and all of our previous ones over. 130 hours of what a cartoon movie podcasts on top of all of the five dollar stuff bob mentioned plus a giant older back catalog of videos that me and bob did like us watching the original simpsons shorts and tons of other cool stuff you get so much bang for your buck at that ten dollar level So please, consider signing up for that today at patreon.com slash talking simpsons.
0: So as for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo, and my other podcast is Retro the classic gaming podcast about old video games. Find that wherever you find podcasts, or go to patreon.com slash retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. Henry, what about you?
1: Get all your Henry Gilbert updates on Twitter at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g that twitter account again at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g i'm always having some fun on twitter and by the way if you're following both of us on twitter you really should be following the official at talk simpsons pod twitter account anytime new stuff happens in the talking simpsons network whether on patreon on the free feed if there's news going on in our world you stay up to date if you follow at talk simpsons pod on twitter so please follow
0: the twitter account at talk simpsons pod thank you so much for joining us folks we'll see you next time for the latest episode of our community podcast talk to the audience and we will see you then
4: Yes, yeah, many issues of Biclops would you like? Biclops? Who's his girlfriend? Lois Lame?
5: He's kind of afraid of girls. <clears throat> it doesn't even smack good.